Savage. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He scores. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. edition episode of Cloudgate Sports. We are very excited to announce that the Bears have made the postseason under some uh, interesting terms. On a normal year, they wouldn't have made it, but this year we got it. 2020 has been a weird year, but we got a playoff Bears team out of it, so we got some positives. Pat, PT, boys, how are we feeling? We're, we're feeling. We're, we're here in the playoffs. Um, I, I guess it's going to be um, like we've been talking about for the last two weeks, of this is the Mitch, Mitch has to prove himself. Either if it's, it's going to be another year on the Bears or somewhere else, you know, he's got to make his money in this game. Um, I think we'll, we'll get into it here in a little bit about what, what we think he's going to do. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's I'm happy to be back. New year, uh, a lot of exciting things for us coming up, dude. And you know, sports are getting back to normal. Bears in the playoffs. Hockey's around the corner. The Bulls ain't looking that bad. Baseball is hot as can ever be right now. It's 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 gonna be a fun year, man. Fun year. Definitely, definitely. So we did get steamrolled by the Packers. So we we're gonna talk about that first. So PT, take it away. For sure. Um, we're gonna take a little step back. We'll go back to this Packers game. Um, unfortunately, the Bears lose thirty-five to sixteen. I think Bears fans were kind of hoping we come in here and not even have to worry about um, what the Rams do. Um, so uh, we definitely were in that game for a little bit. Um, and then it just kind of fell apart once again. You know, we, it's kind of the same thing we look at with the Saints. When we did it against the Saints, we were playing really good and we kind of shit the game away. Um, so it, it's something that we definitely – there's a couple of things we need to keep an eye on in this game coming up against the Saints tomorrow. Um, so let's just hop right into some of the negatives of that Packers game. Uh, Chuck Pagano, you know, I think – He's a great guy. Um, he's been through a lot, and I think that he's brought some positives to this team. But I, I, it, the negatives are just too much of too much seen, and it's just kind of getting like we're, we're thinking here. What are you doing? Um, stuff with Pagano, he, his coverage things are just have your head scratching. Scratching. Um, I know he was down um, quite a bit with secondary issues in the Packers game. Jalen Johnson was out. Buster Screen's been out for a couple weeks. Um, that obviously hurts. Even when our secondaries all healthy, we still don't have a quote-unquote elite secondary. Eddie Jackson really hasn't done much this year for the past couple of years. He's kind of disappeared. Um, it's kind of sad to see because he's been a great leader. Um, he just hasn't been that ball hawk. He really can't tackle. That's as kind of his weaker part of his game. Um, so when Pagano lines up your quote-unquote fourth, fifth-string cornerback on the best wide receiver in the league, um, it scratches your head. Um, and then also when you when you when you 
are in the game against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers really steps up to the line, sees what he likes, and throws touchdowns, it, it hurts. It absolutely hurts because it's just saying that the Bears cannot it, – it, it's almost every single time the Bears play the Packers, they can't stop him. He, he literally – it's like he's one step ahead of the defense every single time. Um, yeah, we have a great defensive line, but when you when he gets the ball rid of it, when he literally throws a go route, you can't get you in under three seconds. You can't you you can't get any pressure on him. So that's another issue. Um, and then we we move on from the defensive side. Another negative. Komet fumbles once again. Kind of turns the game. We, we were kind of in the game for a little bit. Kind of touchdown away. Then Komet fumbles. They score right away, and that, that was the end of the game. Then I have all the Chicago Bears fans switched over to the Rams game, hoping the Rams win. Um, and then another negative two to look at is there was no TDs for Mitch either in that game, which is never a good sign because you need that offense to go, no matter how good or bad that defense is playing. Um, so those are kind of three negatives that I wanted to point out in this game um, and something they need to kind of improve on for the, the game against the Saints tomorrow. Do you guys have any negatives that you guys saw throughout that game that you guys are concerned about? Uh, I mean, the only thing is, is that I'm starting to smell that naggy stink on some of these play calls, and I'm a little nervous that, and it's always in like big play situations that we're getting this smell, so I'm nervous that we're going to get it in uh, tomorrow's playoff, well, today's playoff game whenever we post the episode, but I'm nervous that it's going to be a big play, like that fourth and one. And we try some bullshit pass when we were what five for five on fourth downs, just doing yeah, simple, doing simple runs. Cute sneaks, just sneak the damn ball. Like I mean, we have a we have a mobile quarterback. Use him. We used him perfectly the rest of the game with the four other fourth downs or whatever. Why not do it again when it's worked perfectly fine? I mean, it's just some of these play calls are just very head scratching because. With the play calling throughout the game, I thought it was solid for the most part. But then, like I said, there's those couple plays that were like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, this is not – it makes no sense. So, hopefully Nagy keeps his dick in his pants and he doesn't call any plays this weekend. But besides that, no touchdowns for Mitch. I mean, that's tough too. Uh, Komet seems to have some butterfingers. Even, like, he was down a couple times early this year when he fumbled the ball. So he could have like three or four fumbles this year as a tight end, and that's not good. Uh, but we need we we need to play a lot better this weekend against the Saints if we want to come out with a win. The score, uh, the game was a lot closer than I think the score really pointed out. Because uh, if we get that fourth and one and we do something there, I I think the game totally flips. Uh, the Bears did a good job with possession of the ball. Uh, against the Packers, which I was shocked with. Uh, we did a good job having long drives. Problem was, though, is we weren't getting touchdowns at the end of that drive. We were getting field goals. and it, it, You just can't win a game against a team like the Packers doing that. Right game plan, just not the right execution. So I'm excited for the game tomorrow. Uh, we got playoff football, so I'm going to be rooting, wearing my uh, orange and blue. So I'm pumped. I know you guys are too. I know the city of Chicago is. Let's just enjoy week 18 and see what happens. Yeah, I think you said it best. We're in the playoffs. We got to enjoy it. Um, Mitch's second start in the playoffs. I- I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you ask me, Pat, out of the four uh, di- 
division winners in the NFC, who do you want to play if the Bears are in a wild card spot? I would have said the Saints. Uh, I, I personally don't want to play Washington, and I sure as hell don't want to play the Packers or the Seahawks. Uh, that being said, let's start on the offensive side of the ball for me. Brandon, you said it best. Great ex- great game plan in general. You, the only way you win a game against a Hall of Fame quarterback like Aaron Rodgers is keeping him off the field, and that's exactly what the offense did. We established a run game early. We are able to make big chunks out of plays, and it was looking pretty good, but we weren't able to execute in the red zone. Jimmy Graham seemed to not be on the field in the personnel packages when we were in the red zone, when I'm pretty sure he has like six or seven red zone touchdowns this year in general. Um, Cole Komet, obviously, he's got to, he's really got to, that's his one thing. He's a hell of a guy, and he can make some big catches. He's a, he's a big, lanky, but he's, ath- he's athletic. He can go up and make big plays. He's got to be able to hold on the ball. And I was listening to ESPN 1000 earlier this week. I was either Kaplan and, and, and Hoodie, or it was Waddle and Sylvie, or Carmen and Yurko. One of the, it's one of those groups that a lot of people were, at least in the Chicago sports media, a lot of people were thinking that Nagy never even handed over play calling. It was all just a publicity thing. Said ways where you can go ahead and call it. That first game, I'm pretty sure, they said that he didn't have the play sheet in his hand anymore. And then the rest of those games afterwards, he did. Um, I personally... Maybe, maybe Laser did call that first game, and I, I can't remember what game that was where they did hand it over to him. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Nagy never handed it over. And you could see, like, in that one fourth and one that we went for it and we did this shitty pass, that was a short, like, one. That was less than a yard. That was the shorter of the four fourth downs that we had. And Mitch was just rolling. And the, the offensive line was able to get some movement where you can get that half an inch that we needed. Defense side of the ball. You can't run a Tampa 2 and have Danny Trevathan lined up to guard Vontez Scantling. I, 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 when I played football, I was no lineman, so I didn't understand defensive coverages whatsoever. But I can tell that that's not a good matchup, and Rodgers read that right at the line and feasted upon it. Uh, we had three interceptions. You can't have a Hall of Fame quarterback like Aaron Rodgers throw three picks and you drop all three of them. That changes the game completely. And in terms of Pagano, you, you have to get pressure. You have to blitz. I understand Pagano's a non-blitzing defensive coordinator, but there has to come a time where you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers who's getting five seconds in the pocket. DBs can't cover that long. They can barely cover for three seconds. Like, you need to get pressure. There has to be a come time where you need to swallow your pride and, and get some pressure up the field, and you need to start sending some backers. And with guys like Robert Quinn not showing up against a backup left tackle after Bakhtiari tore his ACL, Fucking you, have to, you have to swallow your pride, and you have to start sending pressure. And you need that's a risk you have to take. It's, I'd rather you blitz and we get burned rather than having Danny cover a fly route against Fonda Scanling, who's doesn't have the best hands, but dude's fast as hell. Like it's it's these little things. Like Mitch is good for one shitty interception every game. Matt Nagy's good for one shitty play call every game that changes the outlook of the game. And Pagano is known for one or two really shitty defensive calls that get burned and just absolutely changes the dynamic of the game. 100%. You guys make great points. Um, I, like we said, I think we've been talking about this all year. There's so many things that we need to improve. Um, I think that Pagano will be gone at the end of the year. Uh, is the defense just it has too many weapons and too many skills. Um, for one, like we touched on, Eddie Jackson, it, there's no way that he shouldn't have. I don't even know how. I'm, I don't think he has any interceptions. Here. He's dropped four, which is unbelievable. Um, but, you know, it, 
it's just it's, it is kind of painful. And, and you know what? I will before we kind of move on from this game too, because I'll go on the positives um, from what we saw from the Packers. But you know, yeah, we we made it to the uh, we made it to the playoffs. But fuck, we 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 shouldn't even be in the playoffs. We should have fucking beat the Packers, man. You know how much it hurt me. I was just sitting there like, fuck, like this is not the way you want to go in the playoffs. But we're there. Um, we'll move on to some of the positives because we do like to be like positive here on Cloud Gate Sports. Um, shout out to our offensive line, man. That is going to be a huge surprise right spot um, in this in this team next year because um, I can't even say this guy's name right. Mustafer, Mustafer, something like that. Our, our center, the coaches love him, and he's going absolutely nuts right now. Yes. Um, so much so that there's rumors saying that they might even move um, James Daniels, who's been hurt all year, to guard because he's been playing so well. Um, that's huge. Offensive line is creating time for Mitch, creating these huge uh, run lanes for our amazing running back, David Montgomery. Um, we have a run game, and that's really good. And that's part huge. of the uh, great point that Mahoney made, too, is the, the time of possession. That kills so much time off the clock if we can have a running game. And then it opens up lanes for Mitch to throw down the field, too, as well. Um, another bright spot, Darnell Mooney. This kid, it, it, almost is, it pains me to say that probably A-Rob won't be on the team next year unless we tag him, which is very unlikely. Uh, but Darnell Mooney could be our number one next year. He's electric. If we can get him the ball down the field because he creates space down the field, he's unreal. He had 11 receptions for 93 yards. Um, the sad thing about him is if you look at his catch chart, like ESPN, if you just go to the app and look at Darnell Mooney's catch chart, it's in with 10 yards. It's bullshit. He should be getting 50-yard catches almost every single game because he's created that space down the field. Um, another thing with that, too, in the passing game, Mitch, if we get him out of the pocket and we kind of do those dump passes to Komet for 10 yards and he can hold him the ball, we're fine, man. We're fine. And that's another thing. I think Komet is trying to do too much right now. Um, when you look at him, he's, he's he's making contact and he's trying to keep on going. I know you're a big dude, man, and I know you, you can run over some people, but there's a point where you just got to get down and take those yards. Um, and then the last thing, shout out Carlos Santos. He is our kicker for the future. 93 field goal percentage. Won the player uh, or the special teams guy, NFC um, player of the month. Um, he, he's been absolutely electric for us. We actually have a uh, safe play. Like we've said, when we get in the red zone, we can't score touchdowns. We can, we have trust that we can make a field goal, which is huge because in the past it's it's been absolutely awful. And look at Cody Parkey with our with the Browns, man. That is, the, I mean, that's I don't know how that guy got another job. I, I have no idea. How has he kept the job? Yeah, like I, he's only two or three in Cleveland. He's missed more than five field goals. Every every Chicago sports fan has gone on Twitter mm-hmm. from Big Cat. To yep. us, it's just normal Chicago sports fan. He's going to break your heart like he did to us. It's going to happen. And like Brett, our, our one of our listeners, diehard Browns fan, I hope – and I feel horrible for Browns fans right now with everything the fuck's going on. I'd much rather the Bears be going through this right now with the COVID shit rather than the Browns because I, I want to see the Browns do well. Yep. If Cody Parkey breaks their heart, I can't feel bad. I could see it happening. I could see yeah, it happen. especially in a big game like the Steelers, and you're already banged up with all the COVID issues. If he breaks their heart, I can't, I can't feel bad for you because everybody said he he's going to break your heart. And I, I just, literally I sign anybody that. else, anybody else. Why Cody Parkey? Yeah, it, it's bad. Um, that really ends it for my kind of side of the Packers game. Do you guys have any more positives or any more thoughts on that Packers game? Uh, Pat, you go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I talked myself out of betting, betting on the Bears pretty late before yeah, the, the kickoff. 
Um, yeah, Brandon, you said it best. The score, the score doesn't represent how close the game was. I think we were only down eight points going into the third, halfway through the third or going into the fourth. We were not connecting the entire way. I mean, we make that first down. Uh, maybe we don't have that touchdown pass where Danny gets burned on that Tampa 2 coverage. We're able to execute a couple more times in the red zone. We don't fumble the ball. Just And Mitch doesn't throw some stupid-ass interception. Like, there's these little tiny things that if we can fix, it makes our team a lot better. The game was a lot closer than – it was a lot better than the first time we played them. That's a fact. Um, so, it's – I'm just super excited we're going to get into the Saints. Obviously, are, are what, we're, we're kind of, what we're kind of expecting with the Saints game. But I'm, I'm excited. It's It was a fun game to watch. It sucked we couldn't win and – you know, if we won, won that game and came into the playoffs with a full head of steam, I wouldn't want to. I don't. I feel like this gets to be shit in their pants right now. Oh, 100 percent. You know, we didn't. I'm ready to go though. It's uh, it's let's let's get into the outlook of the Saints. I got I got one last thing to say about the Packers game. I wanted Pat to go first because I want this to be the last thought that we have about that Packers game. The Bears are saying it best. We're zero and zero. Playoffs is a brand new start. Anything can happen. We saw it last year with the Titans and the Ravens. Titans upset them in the first round. Fuck it. Let's see what happens. Uh, we got a good chance against the Saints. I like the matchup, Pat, like you said. If there's one team that I would want to face, it would be the uh, Saints. So it, we, It's looking good so far. Let's make sure that we got Roquan for tomorrow because he's, he's going to be a big part of that game. So let's just look, for, look forward to tomorrow. And we got playoffs, baby. That's all that matters. 100%. I think we all would love to give a shout-out to the Los Angeles Rams for helping us get in this spot because, like I said, if without them, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be talking about the Bears today. We'd be talking about draft picks. Um, so shout-out to them. Leonard Floyd, have yourself a season, kid. Holy Maybe that's fuck. You see that bonus he got? Holy hell. Ten sacks, man. I, I think he had ten sacks like his whole career with the Bears. So, you know, as much as it hurts, um, sometimes you just got to feel for a kid. We drafted him, um, and he just maybe needed a change of scenery. Uh, so shout out to him, shout out to Aaron Donald, um, and good luck against the Seahawks. That's going to be a really good game. And that quarterback, there's the crazy thing. I think we'll get into this too, uh, especially in the off season with all these moves. Um, you got people replacing people that are getting paid a lot of money, and and these teams are thinking, are these guys worth? We have a backup quarterback coming here that's doing the same thing that Jared Goff is doing, and we're paying him not even close to what our starters making. Um, looking at Saquon Barkley, too, that running back that came and replaced him was doing the same amount of numbers that Saquon Barkley was doing. So it's going to be really interesting to see what these teams do in the offseason. Um, but enough about that. We are getting 10 points against the Saints, 340. Tomorrow recording this on Saturday. It's 11:34 right now on Saturday. Um, I don't think it's enough. I honestly do. I don't, and I don't. I will not bet on the Bears the rest of the season to play. Um, it's just I can't do it. I've lost way too much money betting on them this year. Um, but 10 points is a lot. I could do it if they keep it close, if they have that running game going. Uh, but, man, it's going to be tough. My three my three kind of things um, that the Bears need to do to win, uh, they got to stop Kamara. That's got to be their focus. They have to let Breeze beat them. Um, the great thing about it is the Bears played them earlier in the season. Yes, they played them at home. Uh, and, you know, they shit the bed. They, they, they shit the game away. They, they were playing really well. Um, they had Kamara bottled up except for that one kind of long dump pass that he had for like 70 yards or something crazy like that. Um, but you got, and Breeze was healthy too. He still, he, who knows what Breeze is feeling like, you know, it's, it's starting to get towards the end of the year. Um, so we'll see what he can do. You gotta let Breeze beat you. Um, and then, and then you gotta have, 
Um, you guys score in the red zone, like we talked about. Too many times we get in the red zone and we're taking field goals. Yes, we have a great security blanket with Carlos Santos, but we got to put the damn ball in the end zone. Um, those are my three uh, kind of keys to win the game. Do you guys have three keys to the game for the Bears to beat these Saints tomorrow? My biggest key is let your nuts hang. That's all the Bears need to do. I know a lot of the players have been saying on social media that it's an 0-0 season. Uh, it's a brand new start, like I just said earlier. Uh, and I really, I really hope that they really do believe that. I hope they're not just saying it for likes or retweets or just attention on social media. I really hope deep in their hearts that they believe that because that's important for this Bears team for how rough of a season that we had. Anything can happen in the playoffs. We can make a run out of nothing. Uh, my biggest key, though, is making sure that Drew Brees doesn't have the capability of throwing that deep ball because I feel like that's going to hurt us the most. Uh, he He's he's getting up there in age. Like he said, this is it. This is his final run. Uh, he, he's going to be retiring at the end of this year. His arm isn't as strong as it used to be. We just need to – there's a chance that he can still throw that deep ball. We just need to completely eliminate it. We need to make sure that we also pressure him. We just need to make it tough for Drew Brees because – if we can contain him and keep Kamara to a short, uh, keep him under 100 yards, that's a good goal for this uh, playoff game. Then I think we got a real good shot. Like you said, PT, with this offense, we got to score in the red zone. That is a ginormous key. And if we can, if we can execute those goals, at the end of the day, I think the Bears really have a good shot of beating the Saints team. Yeah. Uh... Definitely, it's definitely a doable game, 100%. Uh, nobody wants to count this team out. The fact that Bears are like plus 10.5 is, is absurd, in my opinion. Um, for me, yeah, Brandon, you said it. Breeze doesn't have that long that long throw anymore. He's older, you know, he's banged up, had some broken ribs, collapsed long this year. You know, you are gaining Michael Thomas back, who's been out for the past three, four, five games for the Saints. You're getting Tom, Michael Thomas back, you're getting Kamara back, which are huge two offensive assets. Expect Drew Brees. We have to, in my opinion, we need to eliminate the short game. I want a, for, I want to force Brees to throw those deep balls because he's not as accurate. And he can't get enough under him anymore. He's known the, the way that he's played the season. Sean Payton has written this uh, offense around the idea that um, we don't have that long that long ball threat. We need to uh, focus on the, the short pass. Those those. Uh, you know, really short, like wheel routes out of the backfield, those short slant routes, those hit, hitch routes, everything like that. The Bears need to really hunker down on those. Play some press coverage, eliminate those. We need Roquan back. It's going to be a huge asset for us. So my number one thing is force Breeze to throw those deep balls and eliminate the short game. We need to uh, – boys, do you just want to talk about – I mean, we're recording this, and this is now definitely going to go on our socials. What's yeah, break, break the news right now, boys. Uh we just, yeah, we just got a notification that – so yesterday there was news that Corey Crawford was taking time away um, from the game, and uh, it just popped up on our phones that Corey Crawford is now retiring. Damn. Um, damn. damn. Fuck, man. I mean, right, it sucks. Well, Fuck. I think we broke, we'll, we'll talk about it here in a little bit. Let's finish with the yeah. – Right, right, yeah, we'll get into it. I had it on my, I had it on my script, so we're good. We'll, we'll, um, we'll, yeah, talk, so we'll do one. that next after the Bears. All right, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. So, uh, number one, force Breeze to throw those deep balls. I have to throw. I, I, he's not as accurate. I want to eliminate the short, the short passing game. 
need to we need to get pressure on him. I mean, they have they have a lot of assets in quarterback with their uh, versatility with Breeze. Even if Jameis sees playing time, Taysom Hill is a Swiss Army knife guy. He can do whatever the hell you want him to do. Um, we need to get. This is where I'm talking about. We need to get pressure on Drew Brees. We need to lay some hits on him. We need to send some packages. We need to blitz a little bit more. Get some pressure on him. Now, yes, we blitz more. That probably opens up the short game in terms of passing a lot more. But if we can lay a couple big hits on Drew Brees, that's a huge asset for us. Uh, Brandon, 100 yards or less, Alvin Kamara. That's going to be a huge tipping point. Uh, I sure as hell hope it's not like the Christmas Day game where he fucking rushed for six touchdowns. Um, lastly, on the offensive side of the ball, establish the run game early. Monty's been having a hell of a time. The The defensive line for the, the Saints is no joke. Cam Jordan, a hell of a guy. They have a lot of good assets. Establish the run game early. That opens up. Exactly what happened in the Packers game. We established an early run game and allowed Mitch to open up for those rear naked bootleg rollout passes where you're chipping away 10 to 15 yards on a, on a drag route for a tight end or hitting Darnell Mooney or Anthony Miller across the backside. Establish the run game early, open up the passing game because we have the run game set up. And listen, it's more than doable. Javon Wims, please, for the love of God, don't do any dumb shit. All right. We, we can't, we can't have a 15 yard penalty or an ejection. We can't, if you're going to talk your shit, let the scoreboard do the talking. Bears can definitely win this game. And uh, I'm excited, boys. I'm really excited. And for the love so, of uh, God, nobody get hurt during the game, please. Yeah, well, yeah that's what I'm hoping for. True. I'll run through these real quick. Some notables. Um, questionable for the Bears, Darnell Mooney, Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson, and Josh Woods. Um, those three are kind of – those first three are kind of big. Um, Darnell Mooney, you know, like I said, he's been electric for the offense. Um, and we've missed Jalen Johnson on, on the other side of the ball. 100%. Back, we kind of had to put some – some younger and more inexperienced guys on the, that side of the ball kind of, I wouldn't say hurt us. I mean, they, they really can't do anything much about that. Um, so hopefully we can get those two back. I think the only one that's on this questionable lift that what can't go is Roquan Smith. We heard literally nothing about him after he got hurt in the, uh, the game against the Packers. Um, I was searching and searching, and he never really heard anything about it, which is never a good never a good sign. And then Josh Woods is questionable as well. He's kind of been a good um, guy to replace either Trevathan or Roquan. Um, obviously, now we're going to have a hole to replace Roquan if he doesn't play, so hopefully Josh Woods can step up. He's, he's kind of been electric in some places. And then Al Buster Screen, he's been hurt for the last couple of weeks, um, so that's also going to hurt our nickel package as well. Um, if you guys want anything about those guys, we'll run into these last two topics I have to talk about real quick. Um, we'll talk about Roquan Smith being robbed of the Pro Bowl and AP First Team All-Pro. I mean, this Terrible. is just incredible. And I think everyone... Not even Bears fans realize this is this is the biggest robbery of all time. The fact that he wasn't put on there when he had more TFLs than everybody combined on that list that made it is is incredible. And then I think the one people said that about like the reason he didn't make it is he didn't have interceptions. He turned around and had two in the last few games of the season. Like it's just a big big fuck you to everyone that kind of it's just embarrassing. Um, and it's just pure robbery, especially on this defense with so much talent. And he was considered to be the best player on the team. Um, and, you know, honestly, I don't think the Bears can win on Sunday if he doesn't play because he's that big of a piece on that defense. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be really tough for our defense to be, especially with how bad it's been struggling lately. I think without Roquan, it could take a real big nosedive this weekend. But uh, still still congrats to Roquan and Khalil for making uh, – second all-pro team. And, of course, Cordero Patterson 
making first team as a special team guy. So yeah, that's me. another guy we need to resign to in the offseason. He's electric. Any side of the ball you give him, if he gets three to four handoffs in a game for ten yards, I will take that one hundred percent. Yeah, this is the exact reason why the NFL is starting to be is the joke in terms of Pro Bowls, All Star games, everything like that. Like, if you were to power rank them, I, without, I mean, obviously our tops might be a little bit different, but it, I think we all unanimously agree that the NFL is in the bottom. It, it's shit like this that just like, always. I, now I don't know who votes for Pro Bowl. If this is simply just fans, um, I would imagine the first team is probably some of like some higher-ups in the NFL that probably vote for that. I, I think the Pro Bowl is majority fan-based. Um, yeah, it's it's a joke. It's an absolute joke, but if you saw Roquan on Twitter, he he, he loved it. He, he said it sucks, but it's fuel added, it's adding fuel to the fire. He's ready to take that on the chin and kind of go make a statement and play with the chip on his shoulder. So that's the right mindset for a young guy like him to have. Um, that's exactly as I was pissed to hear that he didn't make anything. I was happy to hear that that was his response. So um, it's it sucks. This is why the NFL is the absolute joke when it comes to the Pro Bowl. Nobody gives two shits about it. But, you know, Roquan had the right mindset. All right, one last talking point about our Chicago Bears real quick before we switch over to the other Chicago teams. Um, Deshaun Watson, uh, there's been rumors and talking about he how he might ask for a trade in the offseason. Um, and everywhere, anywhere I see um, on all social media platforms, there's been trade packages put together, and the Chicago Bears are right up at the top. Um, the, the one person I've seen that is almost in every single mock trade is Khalil Mack, um, thrown in with a couple first rounders or picks from this year. Um, and also there's also been talks where Roquan Smith has also been thrown in there as well. So is there a player out of those two um, that you see um, that you'd rather see go compared to another or how many picks um, are too much to give away for Deshaun Watson? Do you want to see Deshaun Watson in Chicago, especially with this turmoil um, kind of already been without the talks being before this, how he, how the, Chicago's racist to him and all this different stuff or like whatever you want to say but do you guys what are you guys opinion on he did thing? follow two Chicago weathermen on Twitter this past uh week so that's something, to, look, something to look out for uh but seriously though no shot because if we're getting Deshaun Watson that means that we're saying fuck it and we're going for it we cannot get rid of a guy like Khalil or Roquan I don't even know who we could really trade that would be enough for Deshaun. But knowing how the Texans got rid of De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I know for O'Brien. I know, for dirt cheap. They I, did not get a lot from him at I, all. I know Bill O'Brien's gone, and he's the one that made that trade. But you never know. Uh, I'd rather just I, – I, I'm okay with giving up picks, picks and maybe, I don't know, Jalen Johnson or something for Deshaun Watson. I just can't see us getting rid of a guy like Khalil Mack or Roquan. Because of how bad the free agency is for quarterbacks this year, that's the only reason why I can see us really saying fuck it and going for it. Uh, I'll be honest with you. When the news broke, I'm like, okay, Deshaun, and maybe come to Chicago. Kind of feeling it out. Didn't hate it. Then, like PT said, I started seeing these mock trades. And I'll be honest with you, the ones I saw – didn't have Roke and didn't have Khalil in them. The one I saw this morning before we started recording was Nick Foles, two first-round draft picks, and then a day-two draft pick. I No, no, no. 
No. I hate Nick Foles. And really? I would, honestly, Pat, I would take that trade for Deshaun Watson. I'm not giving up two first-rounders for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, but, I mean, it, if we have Deshaun Watson, I mean, I... Deshaun and Mitch are, like, in terms of their win-loss, they're not that off. Yeah, but win-loss is more than just a quarterback quarterback stat. I mean, the Texans were really dog shit this year all around. It wasn't just Deshaun. Deshaun's been great every other year. I, I still think Deshaun is a whole nother level than Mitch Trubisky. And I feel like we could really trust Deshaun instead of these, fuck, we're going to have a Mitch moment this game. I I would make that trade. I, I would make that trade. Here, here's my take real quick on picks um, and what we would have to give up. Is so going to this year, we already know we're going to take a quarterback probably in the first round. Okay, so say we give this pick away, that's technically going. So we I don't think we're taking a quarterback, man. I really don't. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I see us man. Well, and I think it all. We're taking a running back. How Mitch plays in this game. If we get if Mitch doesn't score a touchdown, throws three interceptions, I think one hundred percent will be taking quarterback in the first round. But if he plays well, we win the game and go on. He's most definitely going to get a one-year deal, and we might pick a uh, quarterback later in the draft. Like I said, I think we really can't even look into this until this first game is played in the playoffs. Um, just kind of how we were talking about the last couple of games when we played the Jags and the Texans to see where our whole season was going. This is the next next game to kind of see where we're going to play in the offseason. Um, I don't think I'd be too mad. I'd much rather give up Nick Foles and some draft picks uh, compared to um, Cleo Mack or Roquan Smith. I, I don't think, I think Roquan Smith should be untouchable. Um, he should be a bear for life. We talked about that in later podcasts. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I definitely think they kind of keep in your back of your mind because Deshaun Watson, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, threw for more than 4,000 yards this year. And who are his wide receivers? I mean, and who was his offensive line? I mean, it's still True. pretty impressive. Um, you really, he, and you'd have a lot more weapons. Um, on the Chicago Bears, who knows if Allen Robinson would be more intrigued to take less money, um, especially if he likes Deshaun Watson um, and thinks that he can do more for him than what is in quarterback room right now. There's so many different things you can look at here. Um, but definitely Bears fans keep an eye on it. Um, I think we're going to cut off here for the Bears. I'm, I, don't I got one more thing with the Bears, and then you could. Go ahead. All right, so say we win this playoff game. Say we go on to the next round, maybe Mitch goes off. He He's considered then one of the top free agent quarterbacks, considering how bad this uh, class is. What if somebody comes out of nowhere, signs him to a multi-year deal, and we're stuck with Nick Foles? Do you think that gives the Bears more incentive to look for this trade? Yeah, well, like I, like I said, if this game is going to tell everything, you got you got to look at. So if he gets signed with multiple deal, do we draft a quarterback low um, early, and or do we go for? I don't know. I just I got the wheels going, Pat. And and this is going to be completely on Ryan Pace to save his job if he wants to be a GM for the Chicago Bears for the next for he if he wants a contract extension or whatever whatever that is. Um, it's, it, he needs to get ready, and he needs to make the right decision. And I think that it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I'll give my two cents. And I'm going to really try to not push my Mitch bias in this. Mitch is, I, in my opinion, the best way to go about it, one more one more year. One-year deal, franchise tag him, one of the two. And here's why. I don't like giving up two first-round draft picks for Deshaun Watson. 
I will happily bet against Mitch popping off in these these playoff games and somehow attracting a multi-year deal. If the Bears, and this is what was getting you could see me get riled up a second ago, drafting a quarterback in the first round. I think with where we're at in the playoffs, the highest we can draft is 19. Because I think the Red, or the Washington football team would be a draft pick above us because they uh, had the, the worst record. The Bears had the second worst record in the, in the playoffs right now. I mean, Kyle Trask sure as hell not getting down. To, the only only reason, the only quarterback I would take if he slipped to 19 would be Kyle Trask. I obviously Fields is going to make it. Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. Trey Lance is going to be there at 19. Now I've seen Trey play because he he's North Dakota State guy. He's absolute shit on Illinois State for the past two years. It's it's another Mitch situation. He's played uh, Mitch is so there, there's, I'm looking at the stat right now. Um, if Trey Lance is taken, he would six quarterbacks have been taken in the first round with fewer than 20 college football starts. Cam Newton with 14, Dwayne Haskins with 14, Mark Sanchez 16, Kyler Murray 17, Ryan Tannehill 19, and Mitchell Trubisky at 13. I don't like taking a now they're 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 a D1 team, but they're a tier below. Like I never if is like Bama and them they're FBS, and then I think Illinois State, North Coast State are FCS. Correct. He hasn't thrown an interception the whole last season. They won the title. He they didn't win, he didn't throw an interception. It's not it's a risk I'm not going to take again. Give him one more year. See where the, the quarterback draft class looks like afterwards with DJ Uyunglele, this kid that's transferring to Notre Dame now. From, I love that fucking Wisconsin. name, too. <laughs> like, it's it's not worth the risk of losing to – and I, I just don't know if Deshaun could make that big of a difference. I really don't. I don't know. I, I think the safest bet is Mitch one more year. And I don't trust Ryan Pace making a trade. I don't. And a draft pick, I don't, I don't trust it either. I swear to God, clip it and ship it. If we draft Trey Lance in the first round, I'm gonna lose my shit. That's my soap opera. Well, I think that's a great point. Um, but when you look at it too, as well, um, I've read almost everywhere um, that the picks three through thirteen um, don't even need quarterbacks. So that's taking a huge chunk out of um, those six quarterbacks that will possibly be picked. Um, also, you know, and I know this is a joke, and I think it's, it's definitely funny, but it could be something, too. Um, people people are literally putting it out there um, that uh, Trevor Lawrence lost the game on purpose so he could dra- drop his draft stock um, because that there was, like I said, like the like, picks 3 through 13 don't need quarterbacks, and sitting like at 14 or 15 are the Patriots, and like if that even happens, like I know I, I think that's outlandish and crazy because I think the Jags he, are going to take. He's going first, yeah, he's going. First. Um, but you know, it, I, I think Pat makes really good, really good points there. Um, if if the Bears tag Miss Trubisky, that would be the worst thing ever because that's getting like the whatever the highest like it's like getting Patrick Mahomes money uh, for a year, so that'd be idiotic. But I do yeah, like a one year deal um, for not that much money um, because, you know, honestly, I love Mitch. Uh, I, I just think they're going to get spanked in this game on Sunday, unfortunately. Um, so I think they can get him for cheap. Um, and that, and, and like you said, those quarterbacks, not this year, but next year could be really nice. So I think that's like another thing to keep an eye on. We'll, we'll definitely get into it um, after the Bears season is done, whether that's on Sunday or a couple weeks down the road. I hope or in February. Correct. Yep. So open for that. 
Um, if you guys want anything else, I think I think we'll move on to the Bears. I guess we'll hope and pray, have a couple beers for the for the Bears, and just watch the game and kind of strap in. And hopefully, hopefully at, at the end, it's it's what we uh, hope to come out with. Yes. Do we want to do uh, want to do predictions for tomorrow's game, boys? Sure. Fuck it. Sure. I'm gonna go. The Bears will cover. I think that I'm not betting. I think the Bears will cover plus ten and a half. I'm gonna say. 27-21 Saints. Damn, Pat. You're pretty close to mine. I'm going 27-20 Saints. Okay. Um, the Bears will cover as well. Um, I also think they'll bust the over, and I'll go 32-27 Saints. Okay. All right. All right, boys. Let's, let's swing into it. Breaking go Bears! News. Go Bears! Go Bears. Go Bears. We're, we're, we're always going to be cheering for you, but we got breaking news on the NHL front. Um, as of like 10 minutes ago, Corey Crawford has officially retired from the NHL. So a couple days ago, I think it was two days ago, actually, uh, Corey announced to the Devils that he was taking an, an indefinite leave of absence for personal reasons. And I texted it to you guys and I immediately said, I don't I don't think it's physical. I, I don't because I don't think he would have they would have signed him if it was something physical. Um, it's maybe something that has ha- it's something happened to his family. Maybe he's got some personal stuff going on. Like it's, I don't think it was a physical thing. I sure as hell hope it wasn't the concussions or the vertigo that he suffered with the Hawks that really sidelined him here. Um, I mean, fuck, dude, if you're the Devils, man, you're you're in a tough spot because now you've just lost a Hall of Fame goalie like three, four days before puck drop. Um, no training camp. No training camp's a week long. You have no preseason games, and you just lost a Hall of Fame goalie. That's not an easy and not an easy transition. Similar to like what Andrew Luck did with the Colts a couple years ago. Um, but I mean, we wish Corey all the best. He's, I guess, I mean, my dad doesn't like it. I think he is the best Blackhawks way to go down in history. I think he topped Tony Esposito. Um, I mean, we love him to death. We hope we hurt. We really hope nothing too serious happened. Um, and you know, he's always in my eyes, he's, he's going to retire Hawk. He's going to come back. He's got two, two cups underneath his belt. He's an absolute legend. I don't care what anybody says. I was always the guy that would stick up for him no matter what, when people would slander him after having a rough game. So, I mean, what do you guys got on Crow? I mean, fuck, what can't you say? I mean, two cups. Uh, it was actually, I'm actually glad that I saw a tweet from, uh, some, one of the Hawk, uh, podcasts that I listened to. Uh, saying that the 2013 and 2015 Stanley Cup uh, winners were being shown on NHL Network. And I watched both full games, saw Corey Crawford, absolutely electric. That was when he was in his prime. Nothing could get past Crow. And it was just awesome to see the Blackhawks be successful and how good Corey Crawford really was. Because I feel like people forget about how dominant he was in his prime. I mean, he's still top five goaltender and he's retiring so again Pat yeah, like you look what he did in the bubble yeah this is the only reason we beat Edmonton in that series he played on he played lights out yeah definitely I, I I like you said Pat I hope it's nothing too serious I hope everything's okay I hope that we do get a one day contract with the Blackhawks get him to retire Blackhawk even though technically he never played for the Devils so I guess he kind of did retire? I don't know. It's weird. Weird how that's all working out. Uh, the fact that he signed a two-year deal, though, and he's retiring out of nowhere kind of worries me. Uh, and like you said, Pat, I don't think it's a health reason. I think it's really is a personal reason. So I hope everything's okay. Uh, 
So we wish the best to Crow in whatever he does. Uh, an absolute legend in Chicago. He'll never have to buy another beer, never have to buy another meal in the city. He'll always get that stuff for free. So thank you, Crow, and uh, we hope nothing but the best for you. Um, 100%. I think everything you guys said is on point. Um, we do this quite a bit um, on our on our podcast, um, thanking people for doing what they do in Chicago. Yeah, shit. Um, I think this one is one of the most important and most thoughtful and heartful thank yous that we've ever given to someone. Um, this guy has he's 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 been in our heart um, since day one, uh, Blackhawks fans, and I think that we just we can't thank him enough for all he's done because he's been put in situations, and we're gonna get into it too that a lot of these Chicago Blackhawks players are being put in um, that are not ideal, to say the least. Um, and I, and I, I'm, there's so many stories right now on Twitter, and it's just looking like he never wanted to leave Chicago, and his heart was always there. Um, so that hurts. It hurts a lot, but I think this is the right decision for him. Um, we knew something wasn't right quite a bit for a while, uh, but I'm just, I hope that he can figure everything out. I, I hope it's nothing serious, and I hope that um, he lives a healthy and great life after hockey because he definitely gave us almost everything he had yeah 100 percent. wish nothing but the best that being said boys nhl is a couple days away uh so i know we haven't recorded in a while we took some time off for the holidays uh, a while ago the nhl and the nhl pa have agreed on a 56 game season that's going to start this wednesday january 13th um so it's going to be, it's, you know, no, no people are coming to the games. It's, it's a shortened season, um, new divisions to kind of eliminate the stress on travel. So, and we touched on these divisions a little bit earlier and they are a little bit different from what I said uh, in a previous podcast. So I'll go ahead and read off the Hawks division real quick because there are some positives and there are some negatives. Um, there's actually quite a few negatives. I'll be honest with you about that. Uh, so if I'm looking at these, we got, Tampa, we got Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, and Tampa. So, first things first, no St. Louis. Love it. Uh, we're adding Detroit. Absolutely love it. Granted, no fans in the Detroit game is, is going to be weird. Dallas. Dallas had a huge COVID outbreak, and they're going to postpone the start of their season. So, we don't know what that's going to look like. The most notable one, we got Q in our division. So, we'll be playing him a lot with the way the season's set up. Um, we will be playing there's 17, 56 games, 17th year division, uh, and you will be playing um, eight games per team. So we'll be playing Detroit eight times, the, uh, the Panthers eight times. We're going to be playing Tampa Bay Lightning eight times. Now, that's the scary part. The former Stanley Cup champions, we open up against them in the opening night as they raise the banner. Um, now, they don't have Nikita Kucherov. He's out for the season, but... Uh, we're going to get into what the Hawks don't have to start season two pretty shortly. Yeah. But I'm excited. Oh, I'm stoked. The, the Hawks have the most amount of national TV games. Now, who the hell made that schedule? I don't know, but I don't think they realize that the Hawks are going to be like maybe a 15 team win team this season. So it's going to be, it's going to be a bear season boys. We're going to get embarrassed a lot of national TV. Oh God. I am not. I'm looking forward to watching the first couple games of the season, and then I'm just going to be absolutely pissed off for the rest of the season. So, uh, I don't oh, – fuck, dude. I mean, I know we haven't gotten into the injuries yet, so we'll get into that in a little bit. I am genuinely scared about how bad the Blackhawks are going to be this year. Like, genuinely scared because – 
it's just crazy how quick of a turnaround it's been these past since 2016. We've just gone completely downhill, and now we're back to just. I know some of these in- injuries nobody can control it, but not good. And you know what? Not to say anything, but if we re-signed Corey Crawford and for whatever reason he retired with the Blackhawks again, we would have had the perfect shitstorm going on in Chicago this past couple months. So I hope they I, I hope they win more than fifteen games. I don't think it's gonna happen, but let's just be happy we're watching hockey again, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Oh boy. Um hockey's back. Love the Blackhawks. Um, love watching them. But, fuck. You know, my buddy sent uh, me this, like, some of the, like, projections for the lines um, for the, the first game against the Lightning. And he's and he's been a, he's been a Blackhawks fan ever since he came out of the womb. And he said some of these are the worst lines that he can remember being the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and, it, it, you know, it's, it hurts. And, and it definitely doesn't help. Um, yeah, we're losing St. Louis, but we're adding Tampa Bay, and I think the sleeper sleeper team in this division is Carolina. Yeah. Carolina's fast. They beat 100%. the shit out of us every single time last year. Um, it's going to be tough, um, and it's going to be a long season. Um, it, and it's what's going to hurt the most, I think, is not having Jonathan Taves. I will. I'll let Pat. I'll let you get into that, but um, it's going to be it's going to be definitely test a lot of Blackhawks fans this season. That's one hundred percent. Yeah. It's 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 gonna be the real first like punch in the gut since winning three Stanley Cups in ten years. We've had some down years in in between that those ten years. This is gonna be it's gonna be a really bad. It's gonna be worse than like the the Sox a couple years ago with like Ventura leading the team. It's not gonna be good. So let's get into it. We got some injuries, very important injuries. Um, I'll start off with this: Zach Smith, who was a fourth line guy for us last year. He was expected to be on the team, uh, didn't show up for training camp, and has now been placed on waivers and has clear waivers, so he'll get picked up pretty soon. Um, that one sucks. Because, that one sucks because we he would have been a good enough person. To, he probably would, dude with the fucking injuries. He probably would have been a second, or third, or second line guy. Like it's it just sucks. Um, I don't know what happened. There's probably some falling out between him and the in the front office. Let's start. Let's start with Jonathan Taze because I want to. There's a talking point I want to get into about Kirby Doc. Taze has come out two weeks ago and has said that he is suffering from an undisclosed illness and is out indefinitely. Um, you know, he. I think he mentioned two symptoms of this like fatigue and like being dizzy or something. And you have all these fucking people on Instagram like, oh, he's got this. Oh, he's got that. Oh, he's got this. Like, dude, shut up, man. Like, it's Jonathan Taze. He's gonna get the most, the top. Of professional medical care like you get off your web md bullshit and, and shut up man like it, yeah. it was it was annoying to see um that's going to blow i mean taze hasn't had the best years offensively the past couple seasons but i mean it's it's a captain it's it's you know it, it's a huge blow and it's not gonna be it, patrick kane said it the best it's not gonna be the same without him on the ice it's not patrick so, kane's gonna be real lonely out in that ice this year he is. He is. And uh, so that's our top centerman right there. And what else will we lose? Kirby Doc breaks his wrist, fractures his wrist in a exhibition game for the World Juniors. Now, this was everybody's concern. Why Are we going to let Kirby Doc go play in the juniors? And I said yes, and I still stand by saying yes. 
he's nineteen year old kid. He has the opportunity to be the captain of his country to go win a gold medal in World Juniors. Let him go do it. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Let him go do it. And the exact, I think his his quote was, "I went to go do like a little uh, stick check, and I thought I broke my stick, but the snap was actually my wrist, which is gut wrenching to hear." Uh, oh man, fuck. So we just lost Kirby Doc, Jonathan Taze, and now we hadn't had re-signed Dylan Strom yet, and losing those two guys within a matter of a week gave Dylan Strom every square inch of leverage against the front office. Now, happily, the deal that we signed with Dylan Strom, which I'll get into in a little bit, isn't horrible. I don't hate it. But no Doc, no Taze, no Zach Smith. We're, we're banged up. We're already going to suck. We're banged up even more. From what I'm seeing right now, it's really hard to tell what our, our lines are going to look like from what I'm seeing in training camp. Can't really tell. It's pretty scrambled. We can't even get a really good look on the um, the power play lineups. But what I'm seeing in terms of the goalies, it looks like it's going to be Subban and Delia that are going to be the two up there, which I call is going to happen because I think both of those guys would have had to clear waivers if they did go down to Rockford. So Lankinen did come out and say the other day that he his goal is to become the starting goaltender for the Blackhawks, and that's going to be his job in the future. So we'll see. Um, I mean, it, it it couldn't get any worse. And so I want to I want to get your guys' opinions on Taze, Doc, and Zach Smith, and then I got one solid talking point, and then we can kind of wrap up with a couple little tidbits. What do you guys got? Okay, so Taser, little nervous here. Uh, it's giving me some bad vibes. I hope everything's okay. I hope it's not as serious as it sounds. Uh, Zach Smith, like you said, Pat, I mean, second, third liner. That definitely hurts the team where we're at right now. But honestly, at this point, does it really fucking matter? So, I don't know. Uh, then Kirby Doc. Ah, uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Me, I'm just some Joe Schmo. Of course, I would have said yes to Kirby Doc playing in the uh, World Juniors. But if I, the front office of the Blackhawks has to realize that he is now a professional in the NHL and that sometimes you just got to tell him no, I get that they want him to be happy and that could give us leverage in the future uh, for having a good relationship with him. So it's kind of a sticky uh, situation and kind of a tough topic to really say yes, should he go? No, should he, shouldn't he go? Uh, obviously, if we wanted to say now, of course, we would all say no, he shouldn't have went. But, I mean, Kirby Doc is going to be an amazing player and he really didn't need this to develop or do anything like that. But say he goes there, doesn't get hurt, shows how good he is, gives the Blackhawks some national spotlight, scores some goals, Canada wins the gold medal. Kirby Doc is pointed out as one of the best players in the tournament. Fuck yeah, we're eating that shit up. We're loving that. But of course, before the... Was, did the tournament even start yet when he got hurt? It was like a practice. No, they were exhibition games. Oh, yeah. for sure, yeah. So... He didn't even get hurt in the actual tournament, which sucks. So and uh, it was before pool play even started. So I mean, if you want to think about it one way, maybe uh, you know what he could have done this in any other regular practice. So shit happens. Uh, some things you can't control. Injuries are weird. There are some where people are just getting out of bed and they pull something in their back, or how Ioannis Cespedes stepped in a a hole on his uh, farm and snapped his foot and was out for like a year and a half. So, 
that's uh that that's some weird injuries, but what you gonna do? There's nothing we could do now. There's absolutely nothing we could do now. Just gotta look forward. Enjoy this ten to fifteen win season and just move on. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'll talk about Zach Smith and Jonathan Taves real quick. Um no idea what's going on with Zach Smith. I thought that he was kind of a bright spot in last year, especially towards the end of the bubble and towards the end of the season before COVID happened. He would score some huge goals on that fourth line um, when we needed it. Um, and he was definitely one. You could say he was an enforcer. He liked to hit, something that the Blackhawks really don't have too much of on the team, especially with Andrew Shaw being out. Um, Jonathan Taves, this, is, this scares the living shit out of me um, because we already know that – he had an issue um, previously with the front office and some of the decisions that they made, the coaching staff and other players being traded or moved around. Um, and now that it's built up so much that he, I, honestly, I feel like he can't even be in the same arena space with some of these people right now. I think that's why he, I think it's, it's very bad, especially when it's your captain. Um, and I think I'm going to build off this in the Kirby doc. Um, so, Jonathan Taze has really, I think him, Kane, and some other players have voiced what they've wanted, and I think it's been absolutely thrown in the trash. Then we moved into Kirby Doc. Okay, he wants to go play World Juniors. Um, when did we decide to uh, just listen to our, our, our probably player of the future? Probably, you know, I don't know if he's going to be as good as Patrick Kane, but he's definitely going to be up there. He's probably going to be wearing the C at some point, you know. Um, so why are we putting him in jeopardy if he gets hurt on the Blackhawks he gets hurt on the Blackhawks but I understand he wanted to go play for his country and all this stuff but I believe they told him no last year or the last time this was um so I just want to know why did they change their mind and why did they have to um kind of make good with this one player when you've had players on the team that we're wasting years on right now that I think are important right now in this time um that we're just kind of saying, fuck you. Um, and I think it's totally backfired on the Blackhawks. Um, and everything is literally, you, they take one step and they fucking step on the mine. They take another step, they step on another mine. It, the Chicago Blackhawks organization is literally a shit show right now. Um, Barstool Carl made a list of like most confident teams um, he had in Chicago right now. Um, and I think it was Cubs and Blackhawks at the bottom, um, which is, <laughs> very, very concerning for Chicago sports. Um, but, um, you know, I, I just don't understand. I want to know what, why, why, why do we let him go? I, I'd rather much have him get hurt as a Chicago Blackhawk. It's a great, great spin zone. in my talking point that I want to get into is we let Kirby Daco play for Canada. We knew there was a potential to get hurt. I personally, I wanted to see him go play just because I knew how awesome this was and and the championship game absolutely panned out to what it was. I mean, does Canada win that game, that championship game, or the gold medal game with, with Kirby Doc? I don't know because Spencer Knight was just playing outstanding as a goaltender that game. But besides that, obviously Stan Bowman has this idea of a youth movement. Kirby Doc's one of our younger guys. He's a he's a young veteran at this point. Like you know, with the shit he's been through and the points he's put up and the performances he's had, he's he's young, but he's he's got the experience. Agreed. Yep. Now this is where the gray zone gets into it, and this hasn't been confirmed at all. This is what I kind of thought came to my mind. Kirby Doc is lost in the in the in the World Juniors to a broken wrist. You find out a week later that Jonathan Tate is going to be out definitely with an illness. 
I want to know if there's an overlap in that. Because if Stan Bowman knew that Taze was a question mark, even even if he even if Bowman thought like, hey, Taze is probably going to come back, the seventy five percent chance he'll be good to go at the start of the season. You still let Doc go out. If he knew that Taze was a question mark, you do not let Kirby Doc go. If 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 you knew Taze was one hundred percent, no issues at all, let Kirby go do his thing. Let him let him do his thing. Because I guarantee you. Taze gonna Taze is I got bet you that Kirby Doc went to Taze, Kane, Keith, and Zebrook, all guys who have played for their country and and got their experience like, dude, go play. It's worth it. They probably gassed up Bowman too and let him go do it as well. If you if Stan if it comes out at some point that Stan Bowman knew that Jonathan Taze was a question mark for this season and you let Kirby Doc go play, Grant, you said he could have I would much rather if that's the case, I would much rather him get hurt on the Blackhawks than in a, in a World Juniors team. If Bowman knew Taze is a question mark. You let Kirby Doc go, you got to lose your job right away. It's just, it's unbelievable at that point. So that's the talking point I have. I mean, do you think there's a possibility of that happening? Would you still have sent Doc if you knew Taze was a question mark? Because, like I said, I wanted Taze, I wanted Kirby Doc to go. But right when I thought about there's being a possibility that Doc, they knew that Taze was a question mark, and then you let him go, that's where I lose it. You can't send a, you can't send the future of your organization to go if you already have your two, one of your two captains two veterans out for the season. Can't let it happen. Yeah, so here's my thinking here. I think that Bowman did know about Taze because I feel like it's something like that isn't just he tells Bowman and then two hours later it's in the media. If it's that serious, I think it would uh, have some time of being very private. Uh, but I do feel like Taze was like, hey, I got this thing going on. I think I could figure it out before the season starts and then we can figure it out from there. But I feel like I can really play this season. And then Bowman's like, okay, cool. Sends Doc to play. Doc gets hurt. Taze is like, fuck that. I'm not going to risk my health, especially for a team that really doesn't uh, care about their young players or really care about the performance of the future. If they're going to be sending their top youngest player to a tournament, when they know that one of their top players is iffy, the, the, it's not a good look for the Blackhawks. And even, it, it may not be true. It may be true, whatever. It's just a – we're just throwing some shit against the wall, see what sticks. But I feel like that's a very good possibility, Pat. And it scares me considering Stan Bowman just got a fucking extension and promotion. Like, what yep. the fuck? Exactly. I'm not – I don't want to get worked up. I don't. I do not want to get worked up. We got playoff football tomorrow, so I'm gonna stay positive. But what the fuck? I mean, not good. I wish that we could go back five years, six years to that 2015, and then go back to the 2013 team. Because watching those games on NHL Network, dude, I still got the chills every time something happened. It was amazing. And I miss I miss it. I really do. And I know you boys do too. And I know the city of Chicago does. And it's sad. It really is sad that the direction that this team is going. Yeah, just add this move to the, the wall of what the fuck are the Blackhawks doing? You know, um, it's it just there's uh, you know you can you have standing lying straight to Barstool Chiefs face saying he's not getting promotion, and we find out he's getting a fucking promotion, um, and then. We, there's this whole thing with Crawford and everything else is kind of just falling apart and crumbling. Um, and it's just, in my eyes, it makes no sense, especially if they told Kirby doc previously that 
he could not go. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, fuck it. We're, fuck it. We're, we're, we're going to be awful probably this year anyways. I, that's honestly how I think, I think they thought about it is we're going to be awful. Um, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. I, I guess, you know, and I guess it kind of falls into the movement of pleasing our younger group of guys um, and letting them do what they want. And it's, and it's blown up in their face. Once again, the Blackhawks just can't fucking make the right step. Um, like I said, I don't want to be worked up. Um, the season's right around the corner. I don't care how bad they're going to be. I'm still going to fucking root for them, watch them, because hockey, Blackhawks hockey, is fucking electric. I don't care how bad they're going to be. Um, but just nothing seems to fucking go right. Okay. All right, one more point, and then we can move to baseball. Uh, I'm getting a little worried that the Blackhawks might be heading back to that 2006-2007 really, really rough patch. Of course, I would take a 2006-2007 season if we ended up getting uh, three or four years we go through another stretch of three cups. I don't think that's going to happen, obviously. Uh, I am extremely scared for this team. I don't feel like we've got the good... We got some good prospects, but enough to really replenish what we were and just where we're at right now. We got Kane, of course, and of course... This is like a Mike Trout kind of situation here where we have one of the best players in the sport and we're just nobody's around them we're gonna struggle and are you boys worried that we might be heading back towards the dark time of when the Blackhawks weren't on TV obviously the Blackhawks will always be on TV from now on but are you are you getting that vibe that we're going back towards that path yeah 100% I don't know I don't I don't think we're gonna go that far um Obviously, as you said, like we're, we're never going to go off TV. Um, the Blackhawks have built them up to be in a major market, um, and the Blackhawks fans are loyal. Um, and I, like I said, I think they, they're they never going to lose fans like they did back then. But it's never good to see a major market have so much turmoil. And like we, we talk about this every time. It's just the Chicago sports way. Chicago sports can never – they're a fucking major market team, and they can't – fucking do anything right you can't the bears can't do anything right the cubs what are the cubs doing right now is it right is it wrong who fucking knows the white Sox really haven't fucking pushed like the san diego padres i mean there's so many fucking examples i'll be getting to that pt don't you worry oh oh, (laughs) trust me i know i know but i'm just laying every there's there's, it's it's mind-blowing of how many examples a chicago sports team has and they can never make a right move How, how is that fucking possible yeah, you fucking live in cold. We look at fucking New York. It's the same exact fucking thing. And it's a fucking better city than New York. I don't fucking understand it. Get off my soapbox. I'm tired of fucking bashing the fucking teams. Go Blackhawks. Let's fuck. Fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck. Go Hawks. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll wrap it up real quick with a couple tidbits. Uh, so USA versus Canada in the gold battle for the World Juniors. USA did win 2 nothing. They looked, they looked awesome. It was a fun game to watch. It, the juniors are always a blast to watch. They're always so much fun. Um, USA played lights out. They played light. That was the only way they were going to beat that Canadian team. They played lights out, and they exactly what they did. Spencer Knight threw a hell of a game. Quenville's got a hell of a goaltender coming through the pipeline. Um, that was awesome to see. In talking pipelines, uh, in a recent uh, NHL article that they're ranking the pipelines for, like power ranking the pipelines for uh, NHL uh, programs. Don't do it, Pat. Hawks are twenty six. <laughs> 
no. No. No, no, we don't have a good pipeline, boys. We don't. Um, it's it's not. And, you know, you kind of have to look at it because if you look at that bottom half, a lot of it is teams that have won a Stanley Cup within the past 10, 15 years. It's a sacrifice you got to make. It is. So it sucks. We do have some bright spots. Ian Mitchell is my number one bright spot um, for this this cup of upcoming season. If he sees playing time in the NHL, which I hope he does. I think it's a guarantee that we see him up there considering yeah. uh, what's happened. Yeah, so... It, but we're 26 in the pipeline rankings. I'm pretty sure Pittsburgh was dead last, and I, I can't remember who came first. But uh, it's not the future, man. It's it's a big question mark. Uh, to wrap things up, uh, lastly, Dylan Strome, who's a big question mark for this team. And I was scared shitless when he or when Taze and Doc went down. Because I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to overpay for Dylan Strome a shit ton. Signed to a two-year deal. The first year is 2.4 mil, and I think the second year is up to 3.6. I don't hate it. I really don't. And if, if we can have Strom and DeBrinkett and Kubli, especially Kubli, if Kubli can play like he did last year and DeBrinkett get his head out of his ass, hey, it's three, three guys around, uh, three, four guys around Patrick Kane that can help him out a little bit at least. Um, so I just, I mean, I like Strom. I don't hate him. I, he had a decent year last year. Uh, it was, everything he's, was a kinda, decent, he's a decent guy and a decent player. Yeah, um, especially losing Taze and Doc. Hopefully, you know, Strom and DeBrinkett and Tay really, you know, Step filling those shoes, which is not going to be easy. Stay healthy, um, please. Yeah, you guys got to stay healthy. And you know, like, listen, this is this is you said about. I think you said it for the the, the Bears. So you got to just you got to fucking send it. You have yep. to give it everything you got this year and see what happens. It's going to be a tough season to watch. It's going to be a tough season to play. There's going to be a lot of turmoil in that locker room. But you got to give it your all. You got to let rookies play. It's it's a it's a building. It's a rebuilding phase. I don't care what he says. It's a youth movement. He's playing to win. We're not fucking playing to win, boys. It's uh, it's not gonna be fun. But that's all I got. If you want to swing into baseball, let's do it. Yes, me, I've I've won. Someone real quick. Let me call someone out real quick before we start this. Um, if Alec De- Alex DeBrinket doesn't have a better season than he did last year, fire him to the fucking moon. I ever want. I don't even want to see him in a Blackhawks jersey ever again. <laughs> Fuck him. I mean, I, it will be impossible to have a worse season than he did last year. But for fuck's sake, if that's true, I agree. Send him the. He's pulling a fucking Robert Quinn right now. Yes. I agree, hundred percent. I'm not. I'm not disputing it. All right. So for hockey, how's the draft work? Is it worst record gets first pick, or is it like a lottery, like the NBA? Uh, it's a lottery, isn't it? It's a lottery. Yeah. It's okay. like the NBA. It's very comparable to the NBA, I believe. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I wasn't sure. I wanted to make sure because I was gonna say if it's, it's worst record, then fuck it. Let's just lose every goddamn game. I, that's the thing, though, is I don't know what. And Grant, I haven't done much research. I, I heard all it's not guys, that good this upcoming year. That's what I'm saying. Like, all the guys that played in that, the, from the Finns, the Finns were a hell of a team, the juniors. The Canadians, obviously, a hell of a team. The USA, all those guys are drafted, bro. They're fucking 16, 17, 18-year-olds. They're already drafted inside of teams. Yeah, like, and, and there was Michael Templey, who I think was a Finn, is, like, the most notable person. And he's not bad. He's going to be a good asset once he comes up. But, like, we don't have... Like Trevor Segrist, like any of those guys, the Hawks don't got anybody like that, man. Let's draft a twelve-year-old and hope he uh, ends up pretty good. Yeah, yo, Patrick Kane's son, sign him right now. <laughs> Fucking sign him right now. He's like a month old. Sign him. Yeah. If he's any, if he's anything like Tiger Woods' son, and has like, if that's how like the gene pool works for like these major athletes, yeah, go ahead, sign him right now. Yeah. All right, so that does it for Blackhawks. We will be moving into baseball. White Sox have uh, been okay uh, on the off season, so I'm gonna. Go right to the Cubs because shit is hot on the north side of Chicago. 
We got the U Darvish and Victor Carantini trade has gone through. Uh, obviously, this is like a week ago. We knew that the Cubs were going to be trading some players. Uh, trading your Cy Young candidate pitcher is a real tell that you're not really going to be competing this year. So that's kind of worrisome for the Cubs. Uh, so the Cubs did send you Darvish and Victor Carantini to San Diego. In return, they got right-handed starting pitcher Zach, Zach Davies, who the Cubs should be familiar with considering he did play for the Brewers. Uh, shortstops Reginald Prasado and Yisan Santana. And outfielders Owen Cassie and Ismail Mena. I think I pronounced some of those names pretty good, so I guess uh, we'll see. Most of these guys are 18, 19 years old. Uh, all of these players right away slide into the top 10 of the Chicago Cubs uh, prospects. Uh, I think one or two of them were top 10 for the Padres, so that kind of shows how bad the farm system for the Cubs is. I see this move as two things. I see it as a money dump, and I see it as a... Uh, just reloading the farm system. Their farm system was so bad. Now they've got some pieces. Uh, I, all these guys aren't going to make it to the major leagues. We'll obviously see Zach Davies in the major leagues to start right away. He's been in the league for a little bit now. He hasn't been terrible. He's been pretty bad, though. So I, I that part of the trade, I think it was more of San Diego just saying, hey, we literally have no room for this guy, so we're going to send him over to you. Uh, I, I bet you it was Carantini for Zach Davies, honestly. I think that was uh, the trade. Uh, and then Darvish for the four prospects that are very young. Uh, we won't. These are kids that we're not going to see for three or four years, so we won't really be able to tell if we win this trade, if it breaks out even, or what happens. So Cubs fans, you just got to hunker down, keep it strapped in, and just watch some Cubs baseball. We got Boog, who's a great broadcaster, uh, did a lot with, he did a lot with Atlanta, uh, Sunday night, Monday night baseball. He's been all over the place. Awesome voice, uh, kind of uh, very comparable to how popular Len Casper is. So Cubs got a good voice there. How are you boys? What what were your first reactions to the U Darvish uh Victor Carantini trade going to San Diego? It, it didn't surprise me at all. I, it was direct the direction I think the Cubs were going to go. It was just who was going to go. Um and you know, I think that what they're doing um they did it well once already and we saw how it worked out. Um True. I think they hope to replicate what, what they did in the past. Um, we'll see if it works. Um, it's very risky. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just think that, honestly, you know, and I saw Barcel Carl and how he reacted. Um, he, he's, he's literally flabbergasted right now. I, I, I don't think he's still, like, okay with everything that's going on. Nope. It's um, going to take some – for a diehard it, fan like that, it's going to take a little bit to kick in that shit's not going well because I tell you what, this White Sox dynasty, whatever you want to call it, that's for the future. Once it ends, it's gonna it's gonna take me a little bit to get back to reality. Yeah, it's it's just happening right now with the as Blackhawks fans, it's happening right now in front of our face. You know, it's like it, we're used to something so good for so long, and you never want to 
backtrack, you know. Um, but I, I think um, it was the right move, um, especially for the future. And that's what the Cubs are doing right now. Yeah, I I think we all kind of expected it. I know there was before the the Sox went after um, fuck, what's his name, the pitcher. The who? The Cubs? No, the Sox. Who do we who do we land? The, the Lance Lynn? Oh, Lynn, yeah, Lance Lynn. Yeah, so I know there was rumors about the Sox going after you, Darvish, potentially. Uh, I, I think we all kind of figured you was definitely going to go. I, and we said it, too, when we were talking about the offseason. Um, the only pitcher that was safe, I feel, in, me, in my personal opinion, the only person that is safe on that team is, is Kyle Hendricks. I think Javi, Chris, and, and Rizzo are all. I don't think he's safe anymore, Pat. I, I don't. You really, like, you're imploding your team if you lose you Darvish and Kyle Hendricks. I think that's what they're going for, considering how bad their farm system is. I, they, they didn't get in this deal. They didn't get any like number one type prospects that the Sox right. got for Chris Sale. And you Darvish is arguably the better pitcher, considering when we traded Chris Sale, because you Darvish just finished as a Cy Young candidate. And they got four, one major league ready guy who's been in the league for a couple of years, and then four minor leaguers that are 18, 19 years old that we're not going to see for three or four years. That honestly, I, for me, knowing how, knowing so much about the minor leagues and farm systems, I have never heard of any of these guys. So <laughs> I, I can't say much. They might be really good. I don't know, but I can't say much on them right now. I don't know if Mahoney. If you don't know um, any minor leaguers, I think that's going to be an issue because uh, <laughs> you know your shit. Um, let me let me point out something too, real quick about Contreras. So, shy Sox fan Mike on Twitter. I I hate the guy. Honestly, I think he makes stupid ass shit. He's an absolute ass. Hey, like, can I say we, uh, Sox we, fans do not can, like, like? We don't we don't condone it. Well, hey, when we like, first started every, podcasting, I asked him to come onto the podcast. I'm very happy I didn't follow through with no, that. Like, thank God. <laughs> Because he is a dumbass, along with a lot of other people. But um, he tweeted or replied to something saying about um, the U trade and said something about yesterday is I'm still waiting for Chris Bryant and Wilson Contreras to choose a drop as well. Um, and Contreras liked that actually. So it, it's not Excuse looking good. Excuse me. For, yes. Shit. Wilson Contreras liked it. So um, not looking good for uh, the future for with Wilson Contreras. Um, I'll, I'll give Shy Sox uh, fan Mike a, a little shout out for that. Um, but fuck you. Um, but yes, um, that is very interesting. I think you need to keep an eye on Contreras as well because if if he's out here liking shit, you know, you never know. You never know. There's nothing good. Yeah. Right. Go ahead, Pat. Yes. Like, I mean, we all knew you was going to be dealt. It's just who, who was going to take him. And I got scared very quickly because the Padres made some huge moves in 48 hours. Dude, the Rays got better players for Blake Snell than the Cubs did for you, Darvish. And I do know yeah. Snell won a Cy Young not too long ago. But if you're thinking right now, you, Darvish, is going to be higher in the rotation than Blake Snell. And yeah, they right. and they gave up less. So, But that's also a product of the Cubs as being an absolute financial shithole. And that, like, you can lowball them for that. And they, they really can't take it, turn it down. Yeah, that's true. That is true. You are correct. Uh, moving on from the U Darvish, Victor Carantini, we would like to thank Victor Carantini because he was on the World Series team, I believe. Correct? 
I don't fucking know. I don't know jack shit about the Cubs. I, 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 do, I do know that he was an up-and-coming uh, player during that run. Uh, I wasn't qu- I'm not quite sure if he was on that World Series roster. But either way, thank you to both these guys. Uh, you, Darvish, gave us something fun to watch this season. Uh, even though the beginning of the contract wasn't looking too good, it, it ended up being pretty good. Uh, you, Darvish, deal ended up being pretty good. Uh, some other... If you're a Cubs fan and you don't like hearing all this, I would just skip about 15 minutes because we're about to talk some uh, stuff that you might not like. Kyle Schwarber signed with the Washington Nationals. Very shocking, in my opinion. Very shocking. I thought there was a 0% chance that he was going to go to a National League team considering uh, that the DH will not be returning to the NL. I felt like he could be a huge powerhouse for an AL team that needs a DH. Cough, cough, south side. Um, I wouldn't have mind seeing Schwarber come to the south side, but obviously that's not happening. Washington's an interesting team. I think this is more of a prove-it deal for Kyle Schwarber. Go to the Nationals, play in the outfield, uh, show what he can do to um, get a better deal this upcoming offseason. It's tough to see a guy like Schwarber go. Really with no, like we just released him, got rid of him, and now he's gone. And I don't think some people realize how fast that moved with Kyle Schwarber no longer being on the team. I mean, he was a huge part of that World Series team. Uh, he was hurt most of the year, and then came back for the World Series, an absolute drop dick on the uh, Cleveland Indians. It's tough to see him go, great bat, but it's I'm kind of uh, confused on what the Nationals are doing considering how good their division is now. I don't really see them competing for what they had. I know they still got Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. They still got that rotation. Maybe Schwarber puts them over the edge. Maybe Schwarber's their uh, new Adam Eaton. They uh, got rid of Eaton. So maybe now Schwarber takes over and right. Maybe he goes to left. They move people around. Uh, Kind of a big question mark. But we wish Schwarber nothing but the best. We hope that he gets his money next offseason. Now, two more talking points uh, about the Cubs. Some kind of uh, rough news on the core uh, for the Cubs. The Angels are the lead team right now for Wilson Contreras. They're really pushing for it. If the Angels can get Wilson Contreras, uh, they will be looking very good for a postseason appearance. Their offense would just be fucking stacked in their pitching. Is on the up and up, so they've they signed a couple good relievers. Uh, Contreras would of course be reuniting with former Cubs manager Joe Madden. Uh, also, after getting Francisco Lindor, the Mets are in contact with the Cubs for Chris Bryant. Uh, I think the Mets are just saying fuck it and getting everybody. Pat, wide eyed. Did you not hear that? No. No. Like, are they? Is their payroll just that low? It is very low. They a lot of their uh, players that they do have is homegrown in their uh, like their farm system. So guys like Pete Alonzo, Brandon Nimmo, J.D. Davis, Michael Conforto, all those guys are from their farm system. So they've. Oh my god. Yeah. So Yo, they. Dude, shout out Cohen, man. He's fucking making money moves right now. He, he oh, is. Shit. And they're and the Mets are still in the lead with the Blue Jays for George Springer. So shit can really happen. Uh an outfield with Brandon Nimmo or JD Davis and Michael Conforto and George Springer 
And then an infield with James McCann behind the dish. Uh, Pete Alonso at first. Second base is up in the air with them, uh, considering Robinson Cano is a cheating scumbag. Uh, shortstop, they obviously have Lindor. And then third base, they can obviously uh, plug in Chris Bryant there if they make that move. And they won't have to give up much, I don't think. I think J.D. Davis or Brandon Nemo would be a part of that deal, which would be a fantastic addition for the Cubs. And if they don't get either of those guys, then uh, it must have went south. Uh, also, the Mets have a great rotation with uh, Noah Syndergaard will be completely healthy this year. They just re-signed Marcus Stroman. They got back-to-back Cy Young winner Jacob deGrom, who arguably could have won it again this year. Uh, the Mets are on the up and up. Cohen's making moves. Uh, Mets fans, I know, are happy. We are uh, the Uribe brothers, so we hope nothing but the best for our Uribe brethren. Uh, so that's kind of it for the Cubs trade news. Lastly, the Cubs did sign Matt Duffy. Uh, most of you guys probably remember him from the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, he hasn't really done much. He's a good utility guy, but. If they get rid of Chris Bryant, we're going to see Matt Duffy in the lineup every day. So just if you don't know who Matt Duffy is, make sure you look him up and kind of get ready for what he does. He's more of a contact uh, guy. I I mean, it's not a terrible signing if he was going to be on the bench and used as a utility guy because that's what he was really used for by the Rays. But we're going to ask him to step into a big role of uh, starting every day. So hopefully Matt Duffy can do it, but we'll see. What do you guys have with all the uh, Cubs news uh, about the Udarvis trade, about the possible trades that could be coming up? Uh, just go right into it. Let me hear what you guys got to say. Um, real quick, with Schwarber going to the Nats, this is another fucking move. The Chicago sports team is blown up around right their face. Thank you, Schwarber. Another thank you. I, 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 it's crazy that um, we thought the reason why the Cubs uh, didn't tender him was because that the DH would uh, would not come back, um, and the fact that he went to another national team is it's it's it's, it's almost a joke. Um, and then also you add this to the the wall of what the fuck for the Nationals. Like you, he's not going to do it. He's not going to improve in the outfield. That makes no sense. Um, See, but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. The Cubs. I, I think the Cubs made the right move of not yes, tendering Schwarber, but. With the Nationals, I don't think it's more of a, um, we want you to do really good, we need to get to the postseason kind of signing. I think it's a, hey, do the best you can. If you're hitting 310 or whatever with 25, 20 bombs by the All-Star break, we're going to trade you, get something. You're probably going to go to an American League team. Or if that doesn't work out, then this is a prove-it deal for you. You can show what you can do in the outfield because he has been improving year by year in the outfield. I think he's finally starting to settle in a little bit because it was really bad when he first started in the outfield. And, of course, his bat. I mean, he's always going to have his bat. And the National Park is a really good hitter ballpark, so I think Schwarber can really excel there. It's not as good of a hitting ballpark as Wrigley, so I I guess we'll see. But I think this is a smart move for the Nationals because they – can trade him at the deadline if he's popping off. And then if not, it's just a guy for the fans to go see and uh, get some money if fans end up do are able to uh, go to the game. So, sorry, PT, continue. No, you're good. And I, I, that makes sense, too, though. Um, he's basically getting – so he's, he, he, 
if Mitch plays well, he's gonna he's gonna one year Mitch deal, you know. So, yeah. um, that makes sense, and um, that's all I really have to say. It it does suck. Um, I I, I personally think he should start off. I think he should have got the money, and he should be in the American team team right now. But as you explained it, it makes sense that he could be a trade piece to eventually go to American League team if like the Sox or Padres or someone that's pushing for you. Know? So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, Cubs fans, you got to strap in. It's gonna be a long, a long Fuck couple yeah. seasons out of you. Um, I think they're making the right moves, but you know, it's listen, man, it's not Theo Man in the helmet anymore. It's Jed Hoyer, and I've been hearing. Again, I, ESPN 1000, you guys know David Kaplan, diehard Cubs fan. There's a, a rumor going around that they're not even going to look to get a GM this year. That they Jed Hoyer wants to hang tight and, and wait, and he wants to talk to people in person. Now, is that uh, that's a legitimate reason to wait. And you obviously, want, obviously you know, meeting in person versus meeting over Zoom or Skype is a lot different. Um, but fuck, dude, there's a lot of rumors going around saying that they, they just have so much money issues right now that they can't actually afford to get a GM. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, Jed Hoyer, I, I get it. You're making the right moves. I, I do think you are. You have to make sure you're getting everything you possibly can for these trade pieces. Because if not, dude, if you're trading, if you know, if you if if Warburg blows up in your face, if Chris Bryant, you get, you know, it's gonna be hard to get a lot for him. If that blows up, if you can't, you know, maximize the trade for Kyle Hendricks or Javi Baez, you're getting, you're getting the short end of the stick. The Cubs are going the, – the return that they can get on these trades could either make them a turnaround team within three seasons or a, turn, a, a turnaround team that takes seven, eight years to, to finally get full Maybe even promotion. longer, yeah. And yeah. these these trades are going to be huge. Uh, if I were the Cubs, I would definitely be uh, trying to get the best you can get. Get some very – after this offseason, they need to get – a top 10 prospect in the MLB. They need to. They need to find out a way to do that. Uh, it's going to be tough, but if they can trade Baez or... Because this is Baez's last year, and they're not going to re-sign him. So uh, I would definitely look towards moving Javi Baez, uh, Chris Bryant also. We'll see. I mean, shit, if they're blowing it up, Pat, we were talking about untouchables. The only untouchable that I see is Anthony Rizzo. I think he's going to be a Cub for life. Uh, he's their captain. I just don't see... Uh, I, I, to me, it's kind of like a Paul Konerko kind of situation where uh, he was digressing, but we were never going to get rid of him because it was Paul Konerko. Rizzo's still obviously at the top of his game, so that adds a whole nother element to it. Maybe he does get dumped, but we'll see. If that's all that you guys have for the Cubs, then we will be moving on to the south side where we got some news. We're going to start off with Tony La Russa is under house arrest for one day. He gets to choose whenever that is. Uh, uh, I'm just happy this shit's over. Uh, it's, you're going to see it spark up again when the media does get a hold of his one day house arrest. Uh, it's obviously going to be before spring training. Or it could be during spring training. I guess we never know. But La Russa, if I was him, I would have done it. I would have done it already. It's one fucking day to stay at home. You're quarantining anyway, so who gives a shit? Just do it. Uh, then we'll have our manager, and all this shit will be sweeped under the rug, and it'll be whatever. As long as the Sox are winning, nobody's going to give a shit. Uh, other news, Nick Madrigal will be ready for opening day after having surgery on his shoulder. So that's awesome. Uh, there were, We were kind of worried that he wasn't going to be ready for opening day. 
But it, it, everything is pointing towards the right direction that he will be ready. We will have our starting second baseman for opening day, which is absolutely ginormous. Uh, what do you guys have so far with the Larusa house arrest and uh, Magical being ready for opening day? Yeah, how, how, how is he not taken already? It makes no sense. I would, I would have taken it when he first got it. I would have got the first day over with, you know? Um, and, and he got let off so easily. I mean, fuck. But like, like you had said, Mahoney, for winning in the past, hopefully he can prove himself that that is his past and that he is focused on winning a World Series of the Chicago White Sox. And it's it's always good to hear when, when, when you have a young player like Madrigal is ready for opening day. I think he's going to be a big piece this year. Um, if he gets a little smarter on the bases, um, he's, he's going to be a solid piece in that lineup for the White Sox. Definitely. Yeah, I just hope that we're shit's over with um, and everything kind of just dies down. We can focus on baseball. Obviously, Madrigal is somebody I've been pretty pretty hard on. Um, I, I've even said it a couple of times that I wouldn't be surprised if the Sox push for a second baseman this offseason. That was earlier on. I don't think it's going to happen anymore. Um, he's got a lot to prove. You know, he, he's, you know, known for hanging on and, and some really long, tough battles in the, in the batter's box. He's a hell of a base runner. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be his first, it's going to be his first full season, right? Yes, yeah, this so will be his first full season. He's got a lot to prove. Um, you know, he was, he, he, he hung down towards the back end of that batting order, which I didn't hate because I feel like he was a pretty good asset in, you know, moving from the bat, that, that last spot. Very right good with flipping the lineup over. Exactly. Yeah. Um, especially with how he is and, and two outs, two strikes. Like he's just a guy who can keep the, the inning alive and with how you know volatile our top of the lineup is. I, I don't, I don't hate it. So I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, I'm just excited to see what all of our young guys can do. Him, Garrett Crochet is getting some attention in the media. I'm excited for it all. Yes. Uh, now we're going to be moving into the uh, off season and with free agency signing trades and all that good shit. Uh, Francisco Lindor is out of the central this is a perfect sign that the White Sox need to nut up, start spending some money. So, we already have spent some of our international money by sending Yolki Cespedes, who is the younger brother of Ioannis Cespedes, and this man is a goddamn horse. He is ginormous. If you looked, if you took a quick peek at him, you'd be like, oh, oh, that's Ioannis Cespedes. Nope, that's Yolki, and he's absolutely yoked. He is ginormous. I, this is, this is an interesting point to why we signed Adam Eaton. I mean, he's an outfielder. Who knows? Maybe he's ready in a year, and we don't want him to have any competition, and he'll be our starting right fielder, depending on how he does in the uh, minor leagues. He was the number one international prospect, so that was good to get him. Actually, ginormous to get him. We're also still leading on signing Oscar Colas, who is another top international prospect would be fantastic to sign uh how do you guys feel about the signings and Lindor out of the central because the White Sox really need to nut up now 100% when I, when I saw Lindor when, when Lindor was gone I was very excited um it's just another piece that the it's moving out of the central and with the White Sox are one or two steps away from locking up the central in five plus years as White Sox Dave said um so the White Sox need to start Throwing money on the table like the San Diego, San Diego Padres, um, they need they need to. And if they don't, a lot of people are not going to be happy because they feel like that the Padres are making a good push 
that would put them over the White Sox, and the White Sox need to match that energy. Now I'll let you get I'll let you get into the the Bauer whole situation thing too. Yeah, I mean with the Indians, it's huge. It's a huge move for the White Sox. I mean Tim Anderson is and not a they got rid of Carrasco too. Yeah. He was also in that trade deal. Tim Anderson's now the best shortstop in the AL Central. Um, but you also look at it, too, from a financial standpoint of the, the Indians. This is what, something I was talking about a lot in our, in our group chat. They have five players that are expected to make above the league minimum. And, and one of them is Jose Ramirez, and it's at $9.4 million. It's Shane Bieber's not even on that list. Yeah. You know, like they're sitting very well financially to either rebuild their farm system or, I mean, they still have assets. Jose Ramirez, Perez, Shane Bieber. They have, and obviously they have hand right now that he's on the trade block too, or he's a free agent, I think, actually. Here's the Is thing. It, Who? Had their closer hand. Brad yes, hand. he's a free agent. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, like, I mean, they they lost some pieces, and they definitely have, they've you know, digressed. But financially, they're sitting in a spot where they can easily make up the ground they just lost. That's here, the way I here, Here's the thing with the Indians. They are historically known for not spending money. Uh, they just got some good players, and they said, fuck it, we're going to make a run for it. And they obviously did in 2016 when they almost won the World Series. I am not worried about the Indians at all. Uh, I really am not. They're really good at getting homegrown players. Uh, spending money, though, never has been their thing. I'm not worried about the Indians uh, for the future. Uh, so if you guys believe me in some sense, then take that for what you will. But I'm not worried about the Indians at all. Okay, moving on to what PT already brought up with the Bauer. Uh, Trevor Bauer's agent did tweet after the Lindor trade that it's time for the White Sox to make some moves. Because Bauer is definitely interested. Uh, I mean, Bauer wants to go where he can win. And with the uh, Indians getting rid of Lindor, there's really no competition uh, unless the Twins can re-sign Nelson Cruz and get a couple of their players back. Uh, But I don't see that happening. It's time for the White Sox to nut up and spend some money on a starting pitcher. Uh, Could you imagine a rotation with Giolito, Keuchel, Lynn, Bauer, and then Kopech or Cease, five? I mean, that's just absolutely lights out for this team. That, that kind of rotation, would, what would put us over an ALCS finish to we're going to the World Series. So we need one more top-tier starting pitcher, which Rick Hahn did announce yesterday that the White Sox are looking to add one more top-tier starting pitcher. Maybe that was some uh, little hinting towards Bauer. I don't know, uh, but... Bauer wants the White Sox to make a move because he is huge on social media and he lets teams know. And the fact that he made it known that he's paying attention to the White Sox is a huge sign to Jerry Reinsdorf, whip out your wallet, spend some money, and get Trevor Bauer because we we need it. We need it because that would, that would put us from a top five team to we're right next to the Padres. So... How are you boys feeling about the possibility? Plain and simple, it needs to get done. Um, and if it doesn't, it's just, it's just once again, I, I feel like I'm being a dead horse here, but it's just another Chicago sports move. You got it. You got it. We're all in. This is another step you can take to really make sure that the fans know that they're all in. Um, and another thing, too, to think about as well, if we get Bauer, 
then we have two people fighting for that last spot. We could we could easily use one of those people that are a sixth man as a trade piece too later in the year if we need something else if someone gets hurt you know so I think it, it has Very to be smart. done. Yep. It has to be done. Yeah, it does. Um, obviously, I think we can obviously we can count out the Padres from being in any sort of contention for Bauer, which is pretty good. I'm much rather. I would not like say it. that they still got money. They even you think they're going to add another guy like they they like can they can and they might. Okay, that's kind of scary. I'm not gonna lie. I thought they were kind of out of it with adding you, Darvish and uh, Blake Snell. I'm like, I, the the Cubs ate enough of the you uh, Darvish contract to give them some money, and Blake Snell's literally getting paid like eight million a year. Wow. Damn, bro, the Padres are making fucking money moves. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I mean, it, I hope the bucket happens. I mean, I think Bauer, with his mindset and his kind of his mantra, you know, he knows that he can come here and win Chicago, and I think he can fit well with his attitude with the guys we have. In thousand team. percent. And, and there's nobody else I want leading the way on this. And Rick Hunt, I think he's the best guy to have in, in charge of this. If you compare it to any other Chicago sports teams, Rick Hunt's clearly at the top of the list. Um, so I, I'm excited. You know, it, what spring training? Oh, wait, are they doing winter meetings this year? Or did that that already happened. Uh, that's when. Uh... There were a couple signings, nothing too crazy. It was okay. definitely different this year because it was over a, like Zoom or phone calls or whatever. Uh, but there still is no announcement on when spring training is going to be. So that's kind of still up in the air. Uh, the do MLB, they even have a plan? They even have, do they even have a plan for the season yet or no? Uh, they do have. They have announced that they do plan on starting spring training when they normally would. So I feel like we could get a normal season this year. So what, spring training is usually back in March, early April? No, it's uh, end of February through, like, the last week of March. And then, like, the last weekend in March is when you'll see the season start up. So this is, like, we're in prime time right now, boys. Like, we're, get, we're getting there's there. There's a lot of huge assets still on the market. George Springer, Trevor Bauer, a lot of guys. Hendricks is still on the block. Brad Hand, too. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be... Once it's it's going to be a domino effect. Once one once if Bauer goes first, I think Bauer's going to go first, and then the dominoes are going to fall. It's just going to be bang, bang, bang. Brandon, you're going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be very erect. I'm going to be very happy. <laughs> um. So one more talking point with baseball that I want to talk about is uh, the White Sox. We haven't really been strongly linked to Trevor Bauer but we have been strongly linked to these three relief pitchers, Liam Hendricks, Kalame, and Hand. Uh, I want you guys to rank them in order that you want them. Uh, I'll, I'll give you guys my rankings first. I want Hendricks. Uh, I think that he just gives us an extra push. If we don't get Hendricks, then I just want to re-sign Kalame. Uh, Kalame is getting a lot of attention, though. He has more than five teams looking at him right now. And then Brad Hand who is one of the best closing pitching relief pitchers during the regular season, but his ERA in the postseason is through the roof. So he's my last guy. If we did get him, I would not be upset, but I I would rather have Hendricks, Colome, and then Hand. So what what are you guys ranking him? Obviously, Hendricks is going to be a little bit more than Colome. Um With that being in mind, if we want to sign 
Bauer. I would obviously go Colome, Hendricks, Hand. I really don't think that we have any business messing with Hand. Um, you know, like you said, it wouldn't be terrible. Um, but I, I just think that, especially if this team is postseason bound, and that is what they're focusing on, and this pitcher hasn't shown that that's his best aspect of him. I think they need to stay away from that. Focus on, I, I focus on Colome. See what they can get for Hendricks. If they can get him for a little bit less than they think they can. Go after him, but if not, stick with Colome. Put your money where your mouth is on power. Yeah, Hendricks was my number one guy in our in our offseason episode that I wanted. Uh, Hendricks is my number one. Colome is my number two. Brad has my number three. Uh, I went and texted Brett when uh, the news broke about Hand, and I'm like, "What's? How do you feel about him? Like, is he worth it?" And he's like, "Listen, he started off 2019." fucking unstoppable but he's kind of was up and down like he had his hiccups kind of similar to column a, you know um i think column a and hand are probably they go they go pretty well together in terms of they're going to make you sweat out some of those ninth innings so hendrick's definitely my number one definitely uh i wouldn't be upset if they do get column a and hand because i could see them financially doing that if they don't get hendrick's problem is though is that both of these guys are they want to be have the ball in the ninth inning Obviously, you can't have two pitchers on the mound in the ninth, so we'll see. Uh, baseball is popping off right now. The stove is definitely hot after that Lindor trade. Uh, things are heating up. We could possibly see Chris Bryant getting dealt soon, Wilson Contreras as well. We can see the Sox making some signings. It's just buckle down, get ready. I think it's going to be a quiet week. Uh, I hope I'm. I hope I'm so wrong. I hope after we post this that there's absolute moves going on. But I think it's going to be a quiet week, and then we're really going to see things uh, speeding up. So that's all I got. Pat, take it away with the Bulls. Dude, boys, I don't know about you, man. <laughs> Watching the Bulls is, is fun. fun. It's again. fun again. Yep. 100%. Uh, like we said, they're, they're not going to be the best team. Um, but you just can see how much better they're playing. And the lineup hasn't changed all that much. You've had, Kobe White was here last year. Markin was late here last year. We added, you know, Garrett guys, Garrett Temple And we're playing without like Markin right now. We're playing really good. Exactly. We exactly like Markin is banged up with a calf contusion. I'm pretty sure. And you know, fuck, dude, I I, I hate to say this, but Denzel's not playing that bad either. He's not like the, the every Chicago Bulls fan as has watched Bulls games, especially over the past five six years, from Fred Hoiberg to. Uh, Oh, God, what was the clown Sam from last year? Boylan, Jim Boylan. Seeing how much better this team's attitude is on the court with Billy Donovan manning the house. Total 360. It is substantial. I mean, it's, it's like it's it's like I said, it's basically the same roster, same lineup, but it, it's Billy Donovan is commanding so much more out of this team. It's, it's absolutely absurd. It's awesome. It's all fucking awesome to see. Yeah, I agree. Uh, We'll see, uh, like you said, like they're four and five, so they're it's good. It's good from where we started, 0-3. Uh, I mean, just the attitude, like you said, Pat, I mean, we're not giving up. We would be down no. 10 points last year, and the game would be over. Uh, I'm really confident with Billy Donovan. Just enjoy this year. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to really do much uh, postseason-wise this year, but the future's looking bright. I tell you that. Uh, it's it's looking bright. I'm very excited. Uh, Billy Donovan's an absolute fantastic coach for this young Bulls team. So I, I'm looking forward to everything these next couple years. 
and this is just a prime example of what a good coach does for a team. Um, everyone's behind him. Everyone wants to play for him. Um, they're giving complete and full effort. Um, so that scares me a little bit about the White Sox. We'll see what happens. Um, but, you know, it's fun to watch. Kobe White, and I knew this kid was good coming out of UNC. He's fucking electric. And also um, the fact that LeBron compared a little bit of Pat, uh, Patrick Williams to um, Kawhi in uh, an interview last night and said that the Chicago Bulls Fuck yeah, baby. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's very promising. Um, and so I think I think the pieces are starting to fall together. I knew I think we all came to this year kind of ex- like with an expectation that it's not going to be great, but it's going to be a step in the right direction, and it's a very large step in the right direction. Um, so if they can continue to build off this, um, it's it's going it's it's already it's already getting much better to watch. It's going to be great to watch in the next couple of years. Exactly. I mean, it's. It's it's just fun, man. It's it's enjoyable to watch the game, especially when it's Benetti and Stacey King. But like, we're four and six right now. We have a loss. We we lost the opening three to Atlanta, Indy, and the Golden State. Most notably, that Golden State game. We lost on a buzzer beater. We lost one twenty nine, one twenty eight. Um, we went ahead and wiped the floor with Washington two games in a row, which was a lot of fun to watch. Took one on the chin against Milwaukee. And we're asking, and I'll focus on this with between Milwaukee and the Lakers, lost to Milwaukee by 30 points, lost to the Lakers last night by two. Patrick Williams is being six games or 10 games into the season is being asked to start as a rookie out of you know a tough year where you can't really get a lot of training camp practice, all that stuff. Ten games into a season of his rookie year, he's being asked to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James. He's doing a good and job. He's doing a really yeah, good I job. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're still dropping points on him, but, like, he's still he's still keeping up, and that's what you want to see a rookie. Great learning experiences, too. Exactly. Like, it's, especially when we're a team where a team is not going to be going anywhere anytime soon. This is a huge learning curve. And having, being, like, he even said it, too, after the, the Bucks game. He's like, dude, I can't wait till we play the Bucks next. I want to guard him again. He's he's learning on the fly. It's awesome to see. Like we lost to the, the Gold State by two. Uh, we lost to Sacramento the other night by four. Lost to the Lakers last night by two. I mean, we're we're keeping we're hanging tight with these. We wait, boys. We can easily be fuck uh, seven and three right now. We could easily be seven and three right now if we had a couple passes go away or stuff like that. But I mean, my biggest thing that I want to highlight. Kobe White dropping points. Zach Levine dropping points. Lori Markkinen, I'm very critical of him. He's doing just fine when he was playing. Wendell Carter, been very critical of him. He's grabbing hell of boards. He had 17 boards against the the, the Kings or yeah the Kings the other night. Um, it, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. And my my biggest my favorite game this season so far was the Portland game by far. Portland, they're they're a lights out offensive team between CJ McCollum and Dame Lord, and Bulls were down 20 points at halftime. And I, we, we will say it, that's Jim Boylan, that's Fred Hoiberg, throw the towel. Billy Donovan commanded so much out of that team, coached a hell of a game, got the guys rallied up, end up winning that game by three points. And we just wanted it more, and we Kobe White led the way that game. He had 21 points. He led the way in scoring. Like Zach was kind of off that night. It's just PT said it best. This is what happens when you have a good coach running your organization like the bulls are on the up and up not only in the front office not only in the coaching staff but on the players man there's a huge there's a revived mindset in this organization and it's going to be a fun future 100 percent. 
All right, boys. Um, let's talk a little college football. So we're going to say we'll save the championship for last. Um, PT, let's take it away. Let's talk a little why not football. Take it. Yeah. Well, as we talked on our last podcast, um, Illinois announced that they're hiding, hiring uh, Brett Bielma as their head coach. Um, there was some questions around it. If he's kind of, he was with the Giants um, in their organization for a little bit after he was done with Wisconsin. He did really good things at Wisconsin. Didn't really know much about him, though. And um, over the past couple of weeks, they've been um, introducing um, some of their uh, coaches uh, and their staff. Um, a couple key ones that they've kept. Uh, one that they kept, Corey Patterson. Uh, he was their tight end and main recruiter. Um, he had great ties to the St. Louis area and really helped get a lot of those guys out of Mizzou and into Illinois. Um, so, and he got a promotion to the running backs coach. That's something huge. Um, our strength and conditioning coach, first name Tank. Anyone with first name Tank, you know your team's going to be great. Um, and then Illinois stole, this is pretty big too, uh, Ryan Walters, uh, former, he was Mizzou's defense coordinator uh, last year, and he came over as now the defensive coordinator for Illinois. So he's huge as well, just kind of beating the shadow of Mizzou there. Um, and then another couple of things is the important things I think that Illinois has never done good is keeping Illinois kids in Illinois. And Bielma said that's his number one priority. They're closing all of the interstates out of Illinois. Recruits have to stay in Illinois. And that's one thing that they've always missed out on, especially in the Chicagoland area um, with kids going to Michigan and different stuff like that. So that'll, if, they, if they can do that, that's a huge step. Um, and another thing is, that he's done a really good job is he's already talked to a lot of players um, that were previously recruited by Lovey and they were on the team last year. Um, and he's got a lot of them to commit to staying with Illinois, and which is huge. And he already is – when we talked about head coaches, he, he's already great signs of being that coach that he cares to the players. Um, one issue was that I'm starting to hear, which is just blasting me, is Lovey Smith didn't want to go into kids' houses. You were a former – NFL coach that went to the Super Bowl, and you don't want to go to kids' houses, and you, you're not going to recruit in college football, man. So I'm just happy with the direction that Illinois, are, uh, Brett Bielema and Illinois is already showing. Um, it's kind of a little update there. And, uh, you, know, it's, it, it, you know, it's Illinois football, but we might be taking steps in the right direction like the Chicago Bulls. So there we go. Yeah, definitely. And if that, that's, if that remark about um, Lovey not want to step inside of houses, I mean – you're not good enough to say that shit. Nick Saban's going to the house. Dabo Sweeney's going to the houses. Lincoln Riley's going to the houses. You got to fucking go into some houses, man. Like, that's that's absurd. Because that's how you make players feel at home. I mean, you're a college athlete. I mean, you, you know, you got you got to – you have to offer a home environment. And you got to make those connections. And meeting up with a prospect at our potential, you know, student is you got to make a home impact and if that's that that could be a huge impact on what love he done and what he has done and how he kind of failed to um really develop these players because that was the big thing is you guys got a lot of good recruits the development just never came through um but i mean let's move into obviously other other topics for the uh the college football um you know, let's let's talk Michigan PT because me and you have been the ones that have been pretty yeah. the most vocal about this in our group. Uh, as of recent news, that uh, Jim Harbaugh has signed an extension with Michigan football, <laughs> and I don't think the the fine. I I think I saw around four or four point five mil. The time I don't think they released how long the contract is, but I mean when I saw that, um, Dave Portnoy, what the fuck? Yep. 
Nick Merckx, what the fuck? Like, all these diehard Michigan fans are flabbergasted because he hasn't done shit in the past couple years. I mean, he they've been, especially this year, they've been the joke of the Big Ten. How you can, this is, now this is a Chicago sports thing. I can see a Chicago team doing this. Yeah. How do you have a losing record? How do you fail to pull recruits? How do you fail to develop recruits and still get the contract extension? It's absolutely absurd to think about it. And, and just getting your ass handed you every year by your rival. This is like, in, in, with the rivalry with Ohio State is probably like one of the richest and thickest yeah, and definitely. most angry rivalry. And you get your ass beat every year. I, 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 it's I don't even know how to explain it. it, it I can't believe it even, it even happened. And it's just people saying it's just Michigan doing Michigan things, I guess. But it doesn't like they have such a rich history of of being good and producing great players, and this it's just subpar below average teams in the last under under Harbaugh's tenure you know it's just yeah yeah it's, it's unreal it's a tough time to be a Michigan fan that's a fact um so let's kind of move into what the, the college football playoffs that we had a couple weeks ago we had Michigan or excuse me we had Ohio State versus Clemson and I'll be I'll own up to my words PT I saw you yep. like to tweet Brett I was texting my brother and, and Brett and I'm like I, I don't I don't see Ohio State beating Clemson I thought I Brad Venables is a defensive mastermind uh, I I just didn't see it happening and I got blasted on Twitter for it and listen Ohio State looked very good that game yep. and I will I'll eat my words Clemson just didn't they weren't there defensively Brett Venables was not there the, the game Brett Venables coached against uh, Notre Dame. And, you know, Ryan, uh, dude, tip my hat. Ryan Day, he game planned for that game correctly. Justin Fields played very well. They just were able to hinder the Clemson offense enough to where Justin Fields was able to take control of the game. And it was a fun game to watch. It was definitely the better of the two games. Um, we'll get into Alabama Notre Dame, but fuck, man. I, I, I've, I, I mean, a Clemson or Ohio State's got a good shot. I think they do. I honestly. Out of the four, Clemson was my team to win because of their defense. And after what Ohio State did do it, man, I, I mean, it's going to be an absolute shootout Monday night for the championship. But, I mean, Ohio State, I think they shocked a lot of people. I think they shocked I, a lot of people. They shocked me for sure. And yeah. it just feels proved me wrong. Um, I was like, the, if he even wants to keep the game close, he can't make any mistakes. Um, and he literally played his dick off. And like we say, his dick had carpet burn on it. Um, you know, and – with that hit he took, I, it showed a lot of heart, and I have my utmost respect for Justin Fields now as well. Um, that guy is a savage, and I think we'll get into it too when we when we preview the championship game. It's gonna him and uh, Olave or something like that. That wide receiver for Ohio State, he, they're gonna they're gonna cause some issues because Bama's defense and their, and their weakness is their secondary. Um, so if they can find a way, it's gonna it's gonna be a great game. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State deserves to be in it. I'll say this. You know, there's a lot of questions about if they deserve to be in. I think after that performance, they definitely deserve to be in. So we got to talk about it. We got to talk Alabama Notre Dame. Let's go, boys. <laughs> Bama. Now, I will say Bama didn't – I don't know if they were told back. Offensively, they didn't look that good. They didn't – I was expecting to be an absolute fucking blowout, and it wasn't. Yeah. But, I mean, Bama didn't look – that dumb? Uh, maybe I mean I, I don't like their name. I think Brian Kelly's a fucking ass out of all things. But <laughs> I, they, I mean, it was. I mean, everybody knew Bam was gonna win, and it's just I don't know. I feel like they played a little bit slow. I feel like they weren't giving, showing their all. I, I don't. I feel like they didn't show their hand in that game. 
No, one hundred percent. And I, I think the um, one thing that yeah, yeah, everybody was expecting this game to be an absolute blowout. Um, and yes, it still was 34, 31 to fourteen. Um, but what Bama did so well is they showed that they didn't have to use Devonta Smith to win the game. They were, they were so everyone on that team can score a touchdown. And when you focus on Devonta or Devonta, whatever I'm saying, Devonta Adams now, but whatever his name is, um, when you focus on Smith, then they're going to hurt you another way. And then when you, you're like, oh shoot, we got to go regroup, we got to focus on this guy, then that's when they hit you with Smith, and that's when they're going to kill you. Um, so, I, but I think the weakness with Bama lies on their defense in the secondary. And if Ohio State can expose them, they 100% have a chance to win on Monday. I, th- I feel like Ohio State 100% has a chance to win, and. I think they've got a really good shot. Uh, like you guys were talking, I, I'm completely shocked that Ohio State absolutely manhandled Clemson. Uh, but going on to my Fighting Irish, it's tough. We can never finish, and it hurts. I hate it so much, but we'll, uh, there's nothing that I can do. I'm I'm always going to keep watching. Uh, we, we need to finish, though. It's I'm sick and tired of hearing all these narratives because they're true. They're 100% true. But I just want to flip the script just one year. Just one year, let's pull it out. Uh, I knew that wasn't going to happen this year after that loss to Clemson, and then we had to go up against Bama. Uh, Bama's a very good team. I I just think they're going to struggle against Ohio State. And like PT said, if Ohio State can uh, really expose their secondary, they've got a huge chance to win this game. Yeah, and that's a great segue into my next point. Let's talk about Notre Dame next year. Ian Book is officially declared for the draft. He is officially declared to be a second-string quarter, second quarterback for the rest of his life and probably make a fuck ton of money. Yep. Um, he'll probably get drafted second, third round, and he'll be a solid backup QB. Now, a lot of people were expecting that Notre Dame was going to fall off a lot because they're going to be losing a fair amount of people next year, most notably Ian Book. I think a lot of people are trying to they're, – they're holding back on the narrative now because Notre Dame just landed a grad transfer, Jack Cohen from Wisconsin. Who also, is, we have an incoming five-star quarterback from San Diego. How the fuck did you guys pull that? Fuck if I know, Pat. Brian Kelly works <laughs> magic. But, yeah. But, I, I mean, mean, shit, it, you're right, though. We are losing a lot of people. Uh, quarterback position I'm not worried about. Uh, all over the board, though. We're losing some good guys, and it's uh, – I don't know about next year. If our quarterbacks can really step up and be dominant, then we might have a shot. Uh, but this year was really the year that we had everything going together and just shit shit hit the fan. Yeah, I agree. It will be it'll be fun to see where it happens. Brian Kelly's really going to have a full plate in front of him because I think if he really fumbles the bag when it comes up to this stuff and kind of restructuring the team in the next couple of years, you can see him lose a job pretty quickly. But let's get into the national championship Monday night, Alabama-Ohio State. We talked about it a fair, a fair amount already, talked about how Alabama played against Notre Dame, talked about Ohio State, how they played against Clemson. Let's do a roundtable before we wrap up this segment, boys. Who do you guys got in this championship? Ohio State. I got Ohio State pulling it off and beating Bama. Uh, I feel really good about Ohio State and how good they played uh, against Clemson. Uh, I feel like they can really run a train through anybody right now. Uh, so I think Ohio State's going to take it from Bama. PT? 
my only concern, and you know, I've heard multiple conflicting stories about his dog coach still kind of ravaging through the Ohio State program. Um, you know, and there's been multiple reports that Ryan does Ryan Day has said that we're not really worried about that. So it sounds like really none of their big impact players have COVID or really struggling with anything in that aspect. Um, there's also, I mean, what happened with Justin Fields? He, he even said that he had some quote-unquote shots with it. So he, he probably broke a couple ribs on that on that uh, targeting hit. Um, how will he be able to be mobile? Um, you know, and he definitely was a different player after that hit in that game. Um, with all that being said, you know, I, I definitely have respect for um, Justin Fields. And if before this game, if, he, if they didn't play that well against Clemson, they barely beat them, I would say Bama by 100. Um, I think they're going to keep the game close, but I think Alabama just and, – and if – do we know if Jalen Wall is playing? Because there's definitely been reports, too, that, that he's playing. If he's playing, I mean, no one's going to be able to stop that offense. It's, it's going to be impossible. So, I've got Bama, but the game's going to be close. I don't know what the line is. I haven't I didn't seen the line. I think Ohio um, State's plus four and a half or plus five and a half, something like that. I, I would take that. I honestly would take that. Yeah. Uh, I think I would take that, too, after betting uh, – Clemson minus 14 against Ohio State. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm i going to go Ohio State too, man. I, I think they shocked me in the way they played, and they got nothing to lose. They really have nothing to lose. They've been the, the, the mockery. You know, they've been catching a lot of shit from they shouldn't have made the Big Ten Championship. They shouldn't have made the college football playoffs. Ryan Day, go out there and make a fucking name for yourself, you know? You got nothing to lose. Nick Saban's the one who's got everything to fucking lose right now. Go, go have some fun, and that's why I think that's a huge asset going into the championship. So I'm going to go Ohio State. What you guys know is something if I'm fucking going for Ohio State to win a championship. And I did say that if it was Notre Dame and Ohio State, I was fucking taking Ohio State over Notre Dame because I fucking hate Notre Dame more. Um, Thanks, Pat. You, you know how big this will be, too? If Ohio State wins a national championship, then, then it, it will be absolutely huge for not only the Big Ten, but every other conference. Um, and, and I hope it opens so many different doors. Um, yeah to play off with maybe adding more teams because that's another whole thing we can talk about too when this season finally winds down but if Ohio State wins it's it's going to be more than them just winning it's going to it's going to make Ryan Day in that coaching he's going to be his name's going to be put in that coaching staff with Dabo and all those guys and then it's going to open doors for conferences to come in and just say we're not no one's scared of the SEC anymore you know you, you know and so I think it's this game is going to be a fantastic game I yeah, agree. I, uh, I am very excited to watch it. Uh, not a five-star quarterback. He's a four-star quarterback for uh, okay. coming in the Notre game. But <laughs> e- either way, yeah. we got a good one coming in. Uh, so for the first time on Cloudgate Sports, we have our first viewer segment. We are very excited to bring it to you. Uh, we got Brett Frederick, who is a friend of Pat from Ohio, correct? Correct. He was born and raised in Ohio. He went to Xavier University with my brother. Diehard Indians fan, diehard Browns fan, diehard uh, Buckeyes fan. Arguably our number one listener, too. Yeah, he brought up a huge supporter. He got on our ass a couple months ago, and we kind of fell off the train a little bit, held us accountable to it, and Brett's been a huge fan, always commenting on tweets, liking tweets, all that good stuff. So the, the I think we're going right now, we're going with the crowd cloud, or the cloud crowd segment yes for, for, for our viewers but uh go ahead and, and run the audio hey cloudgate sports brett frederick here love the podcast 
As an Ohio State fan, I'm curious to know, why do Big Ten fans hate Ohio State so much other than the fact that they've been so dominant lately? And do you see any reason that their run of dominance may not continue? Anyone that serves or poses a threat to that over the next few years? Thanks. All right, so we want to do a quick shout out. Thank you, Brett, for the the audio clip. And this is a great question, especially you know he set this in a couple weeks before you know the national the, the final four got set for the Big Ten title game. Um, so it's a great segue into what we got a championship game coming up this Monday. So let's start off with the the recruiting. Do we see anybody kind of taking over the Big Ten from Ohio State? And I, it's an obvious answer for me. No, it's not. If you look at the upcoming, upcoming recruiting classes. For the twenty class of twenty twenty one, class of twenty twenty two, uh, in the Big Ten, it's it's being or Ohio State's up by a landslide. Uh, it's it's very notable. It's notable notable to the point where for the 2021 recruiting class in the entire nation, Alabama's number one, as we kind of figured. Ohio State's number two. I, I it's they're pulling in recruits, and if they can pull off a win on Monday night, it's only going to go up. I mean, they have the potential to overtake Alabama's number one spot. I really believe that. I mean, they're it's out for the 2021 recruiting classes: Bama, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia, Clemson, Oregon, Oklahoma, and Florida. I mean, they're the only Big Ten team that's even to come close to that, and and they deserve it, dude. Ryan Day is doing a hell of a job. And if you look at, if you were to break down their five stars in terms of their wide receivers and that they got coming up in the future, they're going to be running the Big Ten for quite some time yeah i agree i think the fighting illini have the best chance to (laughs) (laughs) no but seriously though uh this game on monday is huge for ohio state for the reasons that we've already said but also who doesn't want to commit to a school that won a national championship i think that would bring in even more powerhouse players for their future uh I, for the near future, I see absolutely no shot anybody's overtaking them. Uh, maybe maybe when this next freshman class graduates, maybe they'll see some uh, other Big Ten team kind of come close. But I, I don't see it happening. I think Ohio State's going to be running the Big Ten for quite a little bit now. Um, Mahoney, you make a great point. Um, Illinois will definitely be up there and competing with Ohio State in the next couple of years. No, I was kidding. But uh, in all seriousness... Um, like we said, with this national championship, um, it's going to open so many doors. And no one in the Big Ten is going to be able to compete with them, especially after what Michigan did in their clown show, resigning Harbaugh. Um, and just fuck them for the next five to ten years. Um, so Ohio State's in the driver's seat, uh, and they're, they're speeding way fast because um, Penn State also had a horrific year. I was always kind of pulling some good kids, but nothing to Ohio State's level. Um, same with Northwestern. So, and those East, East Coast teams, you know, Maryland, Rutgers, they'll get one or two, but nothing will compare to the Ohio State. Ohio State will always be there. And I think that kind of leads to the second question as well. But, you know, I, you know, I think um, Ohio State has the lead for a long, long time. Yeah, so let's get into that second question and talk about why there's kind of that negative connotation around Ohio State football. Um, I don't like Ohio State. Um, I feel like my hatred kind of comes from Urban Meyer. I was never a fan of Urban Meyer at all. Uh, obviously, he had some, like, I don't think there was ever any any actually proven, and I don't think there was any repercussions for any of it, but there were some, some you know, rumors of, you know, athletes cheating, potential flaws in recruiting, stuff like that. Um, 
you know, the joke is Urban Meyer was had some 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 bad stuff happen at Ohio State in terms of what I just talked about, and then he's teaching a class at Ohio State about like leadership or some shit. Like it doesn't really make too much sense. So I think my my dislike for Ohio State kind of comes from just not liking Urban Meyer. Um, I don't like I, said, I don't really have a dog in the fight when it comes to the Big Ten. I'm an Oregon fan, and I think my hatred for Ohio State comes from when Oregon got smacked by Ohio State a couple years ago. And trust me, Brett lets me know about it all the fucking time. Um, that's kind of me. I, is it enough reason to to not like Ohio State? Yeah, no. I mean, I don't like it just because they, they whooped Oregon's ass. But I don't like Urban Meyer. But at the end of the day, I respect them. I, especially, with, I, I think they're, they prove they proved me wrong this this year in the season. Um, I respect the fuck out of them, and I, I'm pulling for them to win. I, I want to see, like you said the best, BT. If they win, they open up doors to kind of get rid of this this monopoly of the SEC in college football. And like, yo, like, Big Ten's not playing around. ACC is going to be some dogs. The Big 12's got some dogs, too. Yeah, Pac-12, eh, not really. Pac-12 is kind of struggling right now, but I, that's kind of where my my dislike for Ohio State comes from. Yeah, uh, I don't have a dislike for Ohio State. Uh, I'm kind of neutral with them uh, for reasons that you've already said, Pat. But my big thing is I cannot stand Michigan, so I I'm rooting for Ohio State all the time for that reason. So uh, no dislike towards Ohio State. Kind of neutral, not like you know crazy about them, but respect them. I hope that they win on Monday. I really do for reasons that Pat already said. So don't dislike Ohio State. PT, you're more of a Big Ten guy with uh, Illinois. So how are you feeling about Ohio State? I fucking hate Ohio State. <laughs> I fucking hate them. And and you know and, and there's. That's why I talked about it in, in, in the first question. It's because they're fucking better than everything. Yeah, it's true. Except for except for maybe Illinois might fucking give them a couple beatdowns this year. But I, I've been an Illinois fan ever since I was a little kid. My grandparents, parents, all that shit. And every year, oh, fuck, we're playing Ohio State. We're going to get our shit beat in. Um, it, it's just, it's honest. And you know, I, I hate every fucking Big Ten team, but Ohio State is obviously the top because they beat the shit out of us even more than every other Big Ten team, you know? Um, and so that comes with respect, too, because they are good, and that's the reason why I hate them. Um, so I, I, I think that's just why I hate them. I've, I've never, you know, they obviously, I thought they were going to get their shit beat I thought they were going to get their shit beat in by Clemson, and so did they I. proved me wrong. And, and, you know, and I guess if they keep on doing it, man, I, I'm, I'm Never going to ever like them or say that oh, go Ohio State. But I think they have a legitimate chance of winning on Monday. Um, but I fucking hate them. Yeah, I mean, I get that. And, and, and PT, if you look at it from a big-time perspective, nobody's even on the same realm as Ohio State in the Big Ten right now. So if you're if you're a big-time guy and nobody you have no football team that's even coming close to beating Ohio State, you better be cheering Ohio State on, in my opinion. Kind of like, kind of like you said, you were. You, you think they can win, and if they do, it's going to open up the gates to the Big Ten. It's going to bring some recognition in terms of, obviously, Ohio State's going to get a lot of those, um, a lot of those recruits. But it's going to open up the eyes to the Big Ten. The Big Ten's not playing around. You had teams like Northwestern peaking in the top ten, teams like Indiana peaking in the top ten. I mean, yeah, they're not monopolies like Ohio State is, but if they win, they're bringing a lot, they're bringing money to the Big Ten too, and you're just bringing a lot of recognition because the Big Ten really fumbled the bag with how they handled COVID things this year, and if Ohio State can kind of give a good, like, fuck you to everybody. Like, listen, like, everybody's on our ass. We proved you guys wrong, which I think they can do. 
props to him, man. I, I love a good fuck you story, so I'm all about it. But uh, I want to give a shout out to Brett. Yep. accountable. Hell of a question. Definitely a tough question too. He he knew who he was talking to with yeah. the Ohio State question. He's knows oh, yeah. he knows he's talking to me and PT. You hate Ohio State, um, so it's it was a, it was a good question. But let's kind of wrap things up. Let's kind of end things out with college basketball. College basketball's been pretty quiet lately, especially on Illinois' front because um, just not a lot of games. I think Illinois had a couple breaks where they just weren't playing a lot of games. Um, right now, Gonzaga, Baylor, Nova still hold down the top three. Iowa at number five, Wisconsin number eight, number ten Michigan, which I want to talk about in a second. They're number ten. They're undefeated too. Juwan Howard's doing a hell of a job. We got the we got Illinois sitting at twelve. Let's jump. To, let's talk a little bit about Michigan. Juwan Howard, Chicago kid, Miami Heat, Fab Five team with Michigan. Granted, I haven't looked at Michigan's schedule. They're undefeated right now. Juwan Howard, he's he's a guy that's going to pull in recruits. He's going to make his, his team known. And I think Michigan was a team a lot of people were sleeping on. I, I think when you came into the Big Ten and college basketball this year, everybody's thinking Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa. Michigan State's still right there. Michigan's right there, too. Um, what do you guys have, How do you guys feel about you know the top ten right now, Michigan, all that? PT. Yeah, so obviously every team in the Big Ten – um, has proven themselves once or twice that they're just not shitty. I mean, the only team in the Big Ten right now, I think, is Nebraska that really isn't even. And, like, I think it was, like, top 50 or something. Every team in the Big Ten is in the top 50 except for Nebraska, which is absurd. Um, so every game is not going to be free. And if you're winning games still and you're undefeated like Michigan is right now, you're fucking legit. Um and you even see teams like Iowa. Iowa, they've struggled in some games, and then they, they're a fucking wagon almost every other game. Um, every team, it, you're going to have to play your best. And you're going to be – whoever comes out on top is going to be considered to win the national championship because this Big Ten conference is a fucking gauntlet right now. And the fact that Michigan is running it right now. I'm looking at their schedule. Um, yeah, they haven't they played haven't jack played, shit. They haven't really played anyone. They haven't played Iowa yet. They haven't played Wisconsin yet. I haven't played Illinois yet. Um, they beat uh, Penn State, okay. They beat Nebraska, okay. They beat Maryland, okay. They beat um, Northwestern, who was hot for a little bit, but Illinois just steamrolled. Their next game, Tuesday, January 12th, they play the Badgers. That's going to be their first test. We'll see if they're legit, you know. Um, but they, they, Jawan Howard, I love him. Illinois beat him twice last year. I think that's why they kind of, uh, in my eyes, I think they've been overlooked a little bit. But they're coming for everybody, just like everyone else in the conference. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think ten is a good spot for them right now, uh, especially with the competition that they have played. Like PT said, Wisconsin's there's bit their big uh, test coming up. If they can beat Wisconsin and stay undefeated. I could see them sliding right behind Iowa in that number six spot. So let's see how Michigan does against the Badgers. It's going to be a good game. Uh, I'm excited for it. We'll see what happens with Michigan if they can keep their uh, steam rolling. So let's hope for the best for Wisconsin because, like I just said, can't stand Michigan. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Yes, so I do want to talk about one thing real quick. Um, before we get into the talking point about um, uh, about the college basketball, I just want to say uh, I just freaked out right there because I had the Bills' uh, first half money line, and they just scored a touchdown to give them a four point lead with 15 seconds left. So huge, huge for me right there. Um, 
So before we get into the talking point, I, I gotta I gotta gas up my Xavier Musketeers. If you guys follow me on Twitter, uh, my personal account, I'm a huge Xavier fan. My brother and Brett went there. Uh, Big East team. They've had a really they had some really good teams. My brother and Brett were there uh, a couple a couple weeks ago. This is back in late December. Um, they were playing opening up conference play against Marquette. 85-85 with 2.5 seconds left. Adam Conkle bangs home a three at the buzzer to win the game, seal their first one in the Big East Conference play. And as uh, he put up that shot, the ball is probably halfway through its its arc, and their point guard, Paul Scruggs, yells out, that's cash. You can hear it clear as day because there's nobody in the, in the stadium. And he bangs it. it. It made ESPN top 10. It was a fucking electric thing. I was freaking out when I saw it. Um, so I had to gas him up right there. But important news, very big, positive, important news. The NCAA tourney is a go. They have solidified it, and it's going to be taking place in Indianapolis. So you're going to have games at Banker Life Fieldhouse, which is home of the Pacers, Lucas Oil Stadium, which is home of the Colts, IUPUI. Ewe well Pooey. <laughs> <laughs> Love that and, name. And as long as Purdue. Um, so it makes sense. you got about four four different stadiums set right there. You can kind of move the teams all across. Um I mean, this is huge news. NCAA is serious about this. The bubble is a go. The bubble is going to be the best way to run the NCAA tournament. Um, you guys, what do you guys feel about it? Do you think Indy is the right place? Obviously, Indy is not too far away from us, but there's not going to be any fans to go to it. Um, but what do you guys kind of have about the NCAA tournament? I'm just happy it's happening. Yeah, it's a must. And as uh, the hypocrite um, Mike Krzyzewski would say, the um, NCAA cannot go without another season of March Madness, and um, he's a pussy. Um, and <laughs> uh, but no, I think it's a great thing, and he is right though. They have to have it, you know. And this is the reason why, you know, there's teams like Illinois that don't get this opportunity much, and they could obviously run the tables like a lot of other teams. Um, and it's so important to have this because basketball is. Unreal. It is. It is like this is the best I can remember. It just it, it, not just the Big Ten, like across the board. Like maybe, and I think it might even be even sweeter that like Duke and UNC are like down a little bit this year because then you have all these other teams that are just coming out and fucking balling. It's great. It is great. It is great. I'm very yeah. excited to see the tournament. I think Indiana, Indy especially, is a great uh, place to hold the tournament because it's very uh, rural. So. Yeah, it's very compact, too. I don't know if you guys have been to any of those stadiums. Yes. Me and uh went to a trip my sophomore year to a Pacers game, a school trip for uh, a sports marketing group I'm in, I was in. And, I mean, you have Banker White Fieldhouse, and right on top of it is Lucas Oil Stadium. And they're, the Banker White Fieldhouse is a beautiful stadium, beautiful complex. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great it's a great thing. I'm happy they're getting this done in January, getting it all ready to go and heading, getting rid of all, getting all the technicalities figured out. So that once March comes around, we can just focus on basketball, you know? And who doesn't love St. Uwe Pooey? So that's true. Yeah, that's true. Great college name. So that wraps it up for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, it is great to be back. Uh, we've been throwing around some ideas of having post game episodes, which will be coming to you soon. We are very excited to do that. Uh, so make sure you listen to those 20, 15 to 20 minute episodes after each Bulls game, Sox game, Cubs game, all of Chicago sports. We are very excited to bring that to you. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and now newly acquired Instagram page. Uh, very excited to bring that to you. Make sure you check out on uh, Insta- or on Twitter and Facebook. We have links to the Instagram page. In other words, uh, Pat, what is the uh, handle for that Instagram page? Yeah, 
at Cloudgate Sports for all across the page, and you can find our link tree in all the bios for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That links all of our other social medias, as well as brings you to direct links to our Apple Podcast page, as well as our Spotify page. Yeah, so make yeah. sure you take a look at that. And yeah, make sure you're following on Instagram too, because that's going to be one of our big tools. We might be go live on there. We'll drop halftime thoughts, end of game thoughts. It's going to be really easy for us to drop um, different videos for you guys to be interacting with too. So make sure you guys give that a follow. Um, and we'll definitely be doing a content on that page. Yes, definitely. Uh, we are, we're taking that next step. We are getting ready to really get rolling in 2021. 2020 was a rough year. 2021 it hasn't been a good start for the past nine days but we are looking forward to the continuation of 2021 so again thank you guys for listening uh we will see you in the next episode go bears big game tomorrow let's go boys let's go peace out